One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. <laughs> Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in man. The Dalek Invasion of Earth. Hi, this is Mark, and welcome to episode 25 of Nerdology, sponsored by CSO, the cult fanzine. I'm joined today by my very special guest, Mr. Declan May. Hey, Declan. Hey, Mark. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Very well. Thank you. Very well. Good stuff. Now, it's a quite an important year in the, in the world of Doctor Who, because it's oh, the 50th God. anniversary. Yeah. And we yeah. figured what we'd do is like a little beginner's guide, if you like, for people who maybe have only seen the new series and might like to perhaps try and explore the classic series as it's called now or maybe if you've never watched Doctor Who before and you're wondering what all the fuss is about maybe we can kind of help to guide you through it so that it's yeah. not too scary the first time you experience it because there's so, a lot out there there's a lot out there and oh, it can be yeah. quite intimidating for people you know especially the backlog. Well, in a in a way I'm quite envious of anyone who's coming to it fresh because they've got yeah. so much to enjoy and look forward to because we're we're two sad old jaded. Well, I'm yeah. a sad old jaded fanboy. Oh so. yeah, so am I. <laughs> so we've seen a lot of it. In fact, actually, I've been going through some of the old recons because of the whole missing episodes mm -hmm. thing that's been going on. Um, I figured I'd go back and, and watch some of the ones that I haven't seen yet. So, being quite a bad fan, I'd never watched the recon of the Daleks' master plan. So I thought I'd go and watch that, which is is really good. The um, I've never the, seen it. Ah, oh, the loose cannon one is awesome. They've done a great job of putting that together, so I, I would recommend watching that. Okay. Um, but before we go on to anything else, I think we have to talk about oh God, yeah. the, the biggest thing in Doctor Who this week, certainly, as we record. I'm sure there'll be something else next week. Mm -hmm. um, just a little thing called The Day of the Doctor. Um, yeah. This week, um, a webisode was released. It was called The Night of the Doctor. If you haven't watched it yet, I would probably recommend to pause the podcast right now Hit YouTube, search it out, watch it for seven minutes, and then come back. Yeah. Because the best way to watch this is completely unspoiled. Which oh, yeah. I would say is probably fairly unlikely by now. But if you get the chance, watch it anyway. And if you're familiar with Classic Who, you might be very happy with the outcome. Oh, yeah. You need to watch it unspoiled because the surprise is just overwhelming because i didn't i was actually chatting to you at the time mm -hmm. over facebook and yeah. you, I, I knew nothing about this and you sent me a link mm -hmm. to this thing and i clicked the link and it was this episode the night of the doctor i had no idea what it was about i mm -hmm. knew it was something semi-official semi or was official as mm -hmm. a, a prequel and it blew me away because i knew nothing i came to it totally cold that's thanks to you <laughs> I mean, it was incredible just watching that the first time round. Um, I had a ridiculous grin from ear to ear. Oh, yeah. Um, squeeing like a sad fanboy that I was. <laughs> um, and 
Okay, so we're going to go into spoiler territory now. So you've been warned. Mm -hmm. Um, How fantastic to see Paul McGann back again. Oh, he was just wonderful. He was... If anyone deserved more screen time, it's got to be him, surely. That's the thing. After you watch it, you watch the seven minutes of him Mm -hmm. and you're just... First of all, there, there, there are moments in it that took me back to the the TV movie. Mm-hmm. You know, well, he the, still scrubs up pretty well, doesn't he? He's, he doesn't. He hasn't aged that badly, really. When you consider it's been a while now since well, it's uh, like the TV it's, movie. Uh, it's, no, about uh, eighteen years, seventeen mm-hmm. years, and yeah. he looks more or less the same. But that's the thing I, I loved about it. You know, he was sort yeah. of the the way he appeared. You know, when mm-hmm. when he appeared in this episode, he sort of looked made to look slightly in bad shape, you know, yeah. sort of physically and mentally was haggard, mm-hmm. unshaven, sort mm-hmm. of ill-dressed, because normally the doctor dressed as well, but he was sort of like a mm-hmm. patchwork of... Uh, I really still, like that outfit, actually, because oh, they, yeah. they did an outfit for Big Finish, didn't they, to sort of relaunch yeah. his doctor, yeah. um, which was kind of cool, but this was different again. Um, but it's yeah, an evolution, I, a sort of... Uh, yeah. as the, you know... There's this idea that the Doctor, or there used to be the idea, especially during the JNT years, of the Doctor mm-hmm. wearing a sort of uniform. Yeah. Whereas this, you know, as it's been more recently, especially the new series, the Doctor's clothes have mm-hmm. evolved. And, yeah. and whatever Paul McGann, the eighth Doctor, was wearing, you could see it was an evolution. You could see, mm-hmm. you know, he was wearing this coat. It's mm-hmm. a battered coat over sort of... It was like a necktie, was it? Or a yeah, or yeah, like a scarf or something, wasn't a it? A scarf and then mm-hmm. the waistcoat and the, the, he looked a bit like the TARDIS itself. You know, when we actually mm-hmm. saw the, the outside of the, the police box, yeah, uh, it was in bad shape as well. It sort of mm-hmm. looked... Uh, I mean, we've got no way battered. of telling how, how long it's been since the TV movie to, to yeah. this point for him. So obviously a lot of stuff can have happened in the meantime. Um, I, th- you know, for seven minutes worth, I thought it was tremendously put together. I thought the script was great. I mean, oh, Moffat, yeah. Stephen Moffat, has been knocked by certain quarters, but I think he really pulled out the hat for that, oh, and it yeah. gives me a lot of uh, anticipation for for next week. Well, the the thing that I I was most surprised about, I mean, when I heard that there was a min- what did they call a minisode or mini episode yeah. coming up, I thought it's mm-hmm. either going to be Something with Matt Smith and um, Jenna, Jenna Coleman, the, mm-hmm. the Doctor and Clara, or something with David Tennant, a little treat, a little lead-in yeah, special. that would make sense. Or, or at the very least, John Hurt doing something. Now, that bit mm-hmm. at, the start of, at the start of the episode where, uh, what's her name, Cass? The pilot, yes. the pilot of the, uh, the, the gunship. The ship, yeah. And she says, I'm, I'm, look- I'm not looking for a Doctor, I'm... Then you hear his voice, and it's mm-hmm. such a recognizable voice, that sort of yeah. soft, Liverpudlian lilt that he has. Mm-hmm. I'm a doctor, but not the one you were looking for. Now, that's, that's brilliant in two levels, you know, because that's mm. probably what all the fans were thinking as well. That's not the one we were looking for. That wasn't the one we were expecting. Obviously, there's a lot of fan service going on there as well, because yeah. they crash land onto the planet Khan, which we've obviously yeah. visited before with Tom Baker. Yeah, and uh, it's a, uh, the brain of Mor- Morbius. That's what. That's right. Yeah, and I think I, I I'm not too sure because I mean I I listened to Big Finish, but mm-hmm. Karn has been used quite a lot in the Eighth Doctor Big Finish yeah. range. So there was I and and of course he referenced 
the big Finnish companions. Yeah, that kind of makes them canon now, I guess. It does. It, it sort Which of does. Nick Briggs will be very happy with that. Well, yeah, so we, he <laughs> made it. Yeah, that sort of makes... I don't know if it makes all of big Finnish canon, but it, it certainly makes the Eighth Doctor's story mm-hmm. sort of canon, because what did he mention... Charlie. He rattled them all off, didn't he? All the uh, all the big Finnish companions. There was one I didn't recognise. Keres. Keres, yeah. Keres, yeah. That's one of the very early ones. Oh right, okay. Mm-hmm. I was. It wasn't one from like one of the the comic strips or something like that. Or I think it might have crossed over. Actually, yeah, I've got a feeling because I'm not too familiar with that character. I'm pretty sure it was a character from the the comic strip that crossed over to big uh, to big Finnish because they've done that once or twice. Yeah, yeah. Um, with characters like that. Um, but yeah, Molly, and, Molly yeah. you mentioned from um, Dark Eyes, which yeah. is the, which if you listen to, uh, I'm sure we'll maybe talk about this later, but Dark mm-hmm. Eyes is almost like a lead-in to the Time War. Yeah, and, yeah, I'll go with that. Uh, you know, especially with, the, well, I won't spoil it, but with the yeah. Daleks and everything, something's <laughs> obviously going on. But the yeah. thing is, the thing I love the most about this, Stephen mm-hmm. Moffat, Incidentally, has just put up, or something just been put up on the BBC blog, an interview with Stephen Moffat about the. Um, yeah, I read that. Yeah, it's you really read good. that, and he said he never imagined the Paul McGann Doctor fighting the Time War because he's sort of like this warm. When you think of the Eighth Doctor, he seems to be this warm, caring, he's kind of romantic man, character, romantic, he? yeah. yeah, and he's decent and he's. I don't know, sort of uh, always does the right thing. And mm-hmm. to imagine him as a, what, committing genocide, yeah. obviously the character would have had to change a lot or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but it, it's, it's sad as well because at the end of it, you've got the eighth doctor yeah. sort of losing all hope. Mm-hmm. He's, you get, it's, it's a tantalizing glimpse because we've, you know, if you're going just by the TV canon, we had that moment back in 1996 and now we've got yeah. this little seven minute spell um and it's heartbreaking to have him yeah. just for that short amount of time and then yeah. i mean it's a fantastic moment it's really well written where he i suppose he's it's the, the choice is taken out of his hands a bit because they've kind of told him that he's dead and he's only got minutes to resurrect himself so um but yeah that whole the speech he does when he's about to take the the potion is brilliant. Yeah, he says, Physician, should, heal thyself and all that kind of physician stuff. Physician, heal thyself. And it's sort yeah. of sad, this, this great man sort of scared and alone and he's been trying to avoid the time war and mm-hmm. he just realises, well, this is it now. I'm part of it. And that's it. This, we get this tantalising glimpse of him and then it's over and he dies in such a yeah. sad way. It's really sad. And you just want to say, I want to see more of him. Maybe... Maybe well, the... because of the way it works, maybe we might get to see him with Peter Capaldi next year. Yeah. That would be nice. That would be great. They could do that. Or even maybe even in the Day of the Doctor episode itself, we'll get maybe mm-hmm. more flashbacks or something to the beginning of the time war or something. Or I don't know. I don't know because it's... Well, it depends how they're going to play this out because obviously the the idea when the series came back was that Christopher Eccleston followed straight on from... Paul McGann, but now yeah. we know that's not the case. Exactly. So, how are they going to resolve that at the end of Day of the Doctor? Are we going to have John Hurt regenerating into Christopher Eccleston? Maybe I don't know. That's it's a secret. I mean, these. Yeah. You know, I, I watched an interview with Paul McGann from about mm-hmm. two weeks ago when they're yeah. asking him, "Are you any way involved with the fiftieth? 
He said, mm-hmm. no, absolutely, haven't been asked, I know nothing. And he's so convincing, well, I suppose he's yeah. an actor. So who knows, maybe it's the same with Christopher Eccleston, maybe. There, I mean, we can only hope... Um, uh, an, in, an interview that um, there were a group of the former doctors, I think it was in New Zealand or Australia somewhere, they were doing a, yeah. a panel and um, they were asked if they were disappointed not to be involved in the 50th anniversary and I think Colin Baker and one or two others said, you know, it's a real shame, we would have loved to have done it and Paul McGann was a bit more circumspect, he didn't kind of give anything away he was just yes, kind of I remember very, very that, yeah. sort of... Uh, oblique and just sort of made little references of it, it would have been nice yeah. um so yeah oh that was just awesome that made my day yesterday oh really it made my day it was absolutely mm-hmm. wonderful and the bit at the the end when you know he looked yeah the young looks, john hurt the young john hurt i mean that really surprised me that, i'm guessing that was from i claudius i don't know because that was a bbc production wasn't it they might yeah. have been able to pinch it from that or any I Claude, yes, uh, he certainly he seems to be in his, I don't know, thirties. It's hard to tell. It, 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 yeah. because we only get a brief glimpse, but it's, it's very well done. I mean, it's mm. not it's not ropey at all. You know? And it makes you wonder I mean, if they are going to do a, another um, transformation. Maybe they can have Christopher Eccleston, even if he's not able to physically appear. They can probably manipulate something to to make the the transition. Exactly, use a bit of, you know... Um, We're possibly getting into retcon territory here. Well, maybe, but, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, as well, the fact that he was so young, and we know that the, the mm. John Hurt doctor yeah. is, what, in his 70s? Yeah. And Time Lord's age uh-huh. slower. So how long was the Time War then? How long did yeah. he fight it? Like, hundreds of years? Mm. I don't know. I can't, I just, can't wait to see the, oh, the special. It's going to be awesome. And it also, this is just my theory now. Mm-hmm. You know when the sh- show came back and the yep. doctor was always going on, I'm 900 years old, mm-hmm. right? Whereas in the old, uh, I think, was it in Sylvester McCoy, he said, I'm 953 or whatever. Yeah. This is just my fan. Um, it's gone up and down all over the place, hasn't it, over the, the years? But maybe he started counting again after the time war. Yeah. Maybe he's it's been he's been the doctor again for nine hundred years mm-hmm. since he was John Hurt. If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, that's definitely that definitely holds water. And I can see that. I don't know, maybe <laughs> <laughs> because if he if he was fighting the Time War for a very very long time, like say a hundred years mm-hmm. or two hundred years, whatever, it's it's hard to know. Or maybe he just is really rapidly battle scarred and ruined. Mm. Oh, I don't know. I'm just so excited to see it now. I just, I just can't, I can't wait. We were having a little chat. We'll carry on, yeah? No, no, you're going ahead. I was going to say, we were having a little chat before we started recording, and I think you mentioned that it was uh, a good way of sort of convincing people who've perhaps in the past said it's not been the best year for Doctor Who, considering it's the anniversary. I think Mm. that surely must appease them slightly, you would think? Oh, my. Yeah, because, you know, people said, oh, we're, we're not getting that. Again, that phrase, we're not getting, you know, that, that mm. entitlement thing, which always annoys me. Yeah. People say, you know, oh, well, there's nothing. We're getting a 75-minute episode and an adventure in time and space, mm-hmm. and that's it. But look look at this. We've got this episode with Paul McGann regenerating yeah. into John Hurt. Who knows what else will be coming? Mm-hmm. We 
the, the entire Doctor There is Who. another webisode to come out before. Is there? The, yeah. I think it's called The Last Day. So, okay. yeah, we're in, we're in for more treats before the big event. And isn't there something in Children in Need? Is Children in Need today? Yeah, tonight? I think Children in Need, I think they're going to show a clip from the special. Right. So, yeah. So, I mean, the, so if there's another episode that come out, The Last Day, I, mm-hmm. maybe that's like, like The Last Day of the Time War. or Maybe. But, but we've seen that, haven't we, in the end? Oh, anyway, it, the mind boggles, but <laughs> I, I'm just... If people say, we're, you know, we're not, there's not enough, I mean, this is incredible. I mean, we're, this year, what a year for Doctor Who. We've got the, the 50th anniversary story coming up. We're going to have an amazing Christmas special with Capaldi. Yeah. We've had practically two full Patrick Troughton stories come back, which were thought lost forever. Yeah. And we've also had some pretty decent stories from uh, Series 7 as well, so I put it down as a pretty decent year for Doctor Who. I mean, yeah, I mean, the... the Series 7, the, the final episode, The Name of the Doctor. I mean, mm-hmm. that was a multi-Doctor episode. We got to see mm-hmm. all of the Doctors. Yeah. We got to see... Uh, we got Mythos, and it all ties in with the, the, the 50th anniversary, so we're told. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's all part of the anniversary. We had a, such a good run of stories. We've got this uh, sp- the anniversary special coming up, then mm-hmm. at Christmas, we've got the regeneration, the final episode of Matt Smith. So like I was saying to you before recording, between now and Christmas, I mean, since the Night of the Doctor yeah. aired yesterday, we'll have, we will have seen by Christmas time five Doctors. That's pretty impressive. You know, so Paul McGann. I'm more than happy with that. Yeah, Paul McGann, John Hurt, David Tennant, Matt Smith, and Peter Capaldi. Mm. So that's a lot. That's five new, well, not new doctors, but five new stories involving yeah. five different doctors. If you if you want to look at it like that, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe more. Who knows what's in the fiftieth yeah. anniversary? Maybe there might be cameos, and you know, it's a lot. And then all the time, there's been, you know. Every month this year, there's been a, a book released mm-hmm. uh, celebrating the 50th anniversary. You know those? Uh, oh yeah, uh, yeah. He reads one written by Neil Gaiman, the most mm, recent yes, one. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, there's been the audios released monthly. Yeah. Uh, besides the big finish mm-hmm. things, there's uh, the documentaries on uh, retrospectives. Mm-hmm. All this amount of stuff that is coming up. This is. You know, if we're talking about a beginner's guide to Doctor Who, this is the year. This is the time to start. If you, if you weren't yeah. into Doctor Who before, now is the time to start because look at this. If, you know, and although it's this huge thing that spans fifty years, there are lots of little stepping on points. So you don't feel exactly. like you have to have seen every single episode to be able to enjoy it or take something from it. Exactly. Well, like Stephen Moffat said, you know, the fiftieth anniversary. There's going to be acknowledgement of the past, but also mm-hmm. it's going to ensure that the series continues for another 50 yeah. years. It's, it's a, you know, you can look back, but also you need to look forward and mm-hmm. uh, get new viewers on board. And, uh, you know, it, if I was, if I was someone who just heard of Doctor Who now, and mm-hmm. said, what's all this? What's 50 years? Wow. And maybe watch, watch the, the anniversary special. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd, I'd want to go back and say, well, 
I want no, I want more of this, you know. This is it's it's almost like it's constantly being rebooted, you know? Yeah. The fiftieth anniversary is a perfect opportunity to to step on board. It's if you big. look back at the classic series, every time a new producer came along, they wanted to put their stamp on it and it kind of rebooted itself in its own way. Mm-hmm. But I mean if we go back to the first doctor then, so if we're gonna come up with a I mean, these aren't definitive by any means. No. These are just our choices and what we think would be good stepping on points. Uh, yeah. I think certainly first Doctor-wise, I think one thing, if you're not au fait with 1960s TV, mm. it is, it's played out at a different pace from what you'd be watching today. That's so you have to bear that in mind. It was pretty much recorded as live because mm-hmm. editing back then was so expensive. They couldn't afford to do multiple takes so you'd kind of have them recording and maybe have one break during the whole thing so Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. takes on almost like a sort of theatrical sort of style to the way it plays out and the acting is also very theatrical because a lot of a lot of of these multi-camera setup so you've got people they've got to hit their mark and they've got to um but i i love that i think that's one of the interesting things it's like an a document of how TV was made. I find all that sort of stuff fascinating. Well, yeah, I mean, for example, if you watch, say, a recent episode like mm-hmm. Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, which is yeah. really fast-paced and mm-hmm. really quick and lots of edits and jumps and quips and one-liners, mm-hmm. and then you went back to like a 1960s black-and-white episode, let's say from the Hartnell era, yeah. from the first mm-hmm. Doctor, Having not seen it before, you'd think, "What yeah. is, is this? Is this the same? Is this the same program? Yeah. Is this the same program? It's you know, it's slow, but it so is. It so is. Yeah. Um, it's kind of almost like train your brain to sort of. I don't want to make it sound like homework because that would be horrendous. Having <laughs> no. to sort of you know, having to fight your way through it. But it's you know, if you if you try out a few stories that people kind of recommend, you'll find. If you go into forums and places like Twitter, you'll have people who are sort of fans, long-standing fans, and they they love the idea of getting people on board to classic stories. Yeah. So they will have loads of ideas of, of stories to go back to. Yeah. I mean, have you got any Hartnell stories that you really like that you feel would be a good jumping on point? I mean, obviously, you, you probably have this, the same idea as me. I would, mm-hmm. of course, say watch... An, un- an unearthly child, mm-hmm. and maybe an episode or two of the, you know, what is it, 10,000 BC or yeah. the Tribe of Gum. Not all of it. Well, I don't you know. and I agree on that. <laughs> oh, really? Now, Mr. Southall, that I do the other podcast with, the Blue Box podcast, <laughs> yeah. who's a far more knowledgeable man than I on, on Doctor Who, loves the stuff that happens from the sort of second episode in. Um, I find it pretty hard going, I have to be honest. The first episode is stunning. It sets it up and it is, I mean, you watch it and you think, this really is the same programme. It's a great introduction. Um, It sets up all of the um, sort of tropes that you kind of expect from Doctor Who. Um, And it it starts off that mystery of who is this mysterious traveller and you've got a great core cast there as well. I mean, the cast are brilliant. And, and it is, you know, it's like what Russell T. Davis did with Rose. You know, it's all mm-hmm. from 
the companion's point of view. In this case, yeah. it's Ian and Barbara. We see it through their eyes. We, we mm -hmm. they are the audience there. Yeah. And whenever you know they go into the police box for the first time, going to Tartarus, that's the first time we see it as well. As oh, an audience, consider the the budgets they had back then weren't oh, huge by any means. I think they do an amazing job of putting it on the screen. I think they're. That opening shot when you see the fog and the policeman walking oh, and the yeah. doors open, it looks absolutely amazing. It's so well done. As, as a piece of television, just that one episode, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it, it's flawless. It's yeah. absolutely flawless. and it's Well, at the second attempt. At the, yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. The second attempt. And, yeah. But there's enough, there's enough in it, you know, to... Mm -hmm. Say if you hadn't seen Doctor Who before, any Doctor yeah. Who, Mm -hmm. uh, as people who watched it then at the time would obviously it being the first episode wouldn't mm -hmm. have there's, there's enough there to say I, I want more of this wow this is this is weird this is different this is I've never seen anything like this I forget what I was I can't remember if I was watching or listening to something and somebody made a really good point of saying TV back in the 60s if you watched a program on TV the intro would be you know stock footage you know like just sort of um static cards with the name of the program on and mm. some sort of stock music mm -hmm. and then you mm -hmm. see this come on your screen and your mind would be absolutely blown this is 1963 this is way yeah. before psychedelia oh, you know, you're God, getting this yeah. incredible music you're getting the, the crazy effects going on on the screen so it is very very different from anything else that was on tv at that point it, it is and when you mention that it just makes makes me realize what a weird show it is mm. Yeah. What is it? I mean, as you said, the music, the sort of the electronic, weird music that, you know, that mm -hmm. at the time people were listening to the Beatles and Cliff Richard, you know, Pink Floyd and all that were well ahead in the future, yeah. you know. Um, the the idea of uh, uh, an everyday object, the, the police box being bigger mm -hmm. on the inside, this mysterious traveler and his granddaughter, this it's just it's just a weird program and it and it and it hooks you. i mean suppose we take it for granted now because we're so used to doctor who yeah but had yeah. you not seen that before you'd think this is just this is bonkers this is nothing <laughs> but so i think i think that and yeah then maybe, i think that's a good stepping on point and maybe the, the 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 following episodes just because then we see oh they've traveled back in time and now they're mm -hmm. at the time of the caveman so that but i i wouldn't i don't know i this sounds an awful thing to say, but I'd be mm. slightly em embarrassed watching mm. the whole thing with somebody who had. I think it's a really hard sell as well. If you're going to sit someone down who'd never seen it before, and once they've got over that really incredible first episode, then to sit down and watch yeah. what is effectively caveman politics play out. Yeah, that's it. Or it's, yeah. it's a hard sell. You know, Some people will love it. Like JR. Hi, JR. Uh, <laughs> and some people will think, wow, this is really hard going. Um, moving hard. on a few years in the Hartnell era, I think another really good one to introduce people to um, would be the Time Meddler. Yes. I think that's a, it's a really neat story. I think it's one of the first, if not the first, of what we like to call the pseudo-historicals. Yeah, so I think it is. You, yeah. It's set back in history, but there's some kind of weird shenanigans going on. Uh, it sets up other stuff. We won't blow the surprises, but no. you know, there's there's stuff in there that changes the show or our conception of the show. 
in, in many ways. It, it does. And it's quite, um, in fact, that is the first Hartnell story I ever saw. Was, oh, right, was, really? the, was the time meddler. Um, mm. In fact, before that, I'd seen the Dalek invasion of Earth, the, the movie, the oh, yeah. fishing movie. Yeah, I'd yeah. seen that. And the first proper Hartnell story was the time meddler. And mm-hmm. I just assumed, oh, all of Doctor Who must be like that. This is when it was repeated on TV or maybe it was uh-huh. on, I watched it on a VHS or something. But mm-hmm. uh, it, it it's a great jumping on point as well because, you know, there's a, it's a familiar, um, how to say it without spoiling it, it's set in a at a time that would be familiar to most people with even a passing interest yeah. in history. You've, you've got a big historical moment. Yeah. You've got something a little bit science fiction going on there yeah. in the background. You've also got, I think, Hartnell in one of his better performances. He can be a little bit up and down, depending on yeah. his health, because he wasn't a yeah. well man. Um, and I think the companions, certainly, I don't know if they get quite as much recognition as maybe Ian and Barbara. I love Ian and Barbara. They're probably one of my favourite yeah. companion pairings but i think Stephen and vicky peter purvis i think he's really underrated as an actor I, I really like him oh he's he's great and he's 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 a real sort of action hero isn't he yeah I, I know that later on his character sort of got shifted or changed a bit the sort of um, yeah or i think he's even on record as saying that he wasn't happy with some of the direction his character well, i think the in. problem he had was that um he appeared in one of the earlier stories before he got cast as a regular companion mm-hmm. um, and they kind of liked him and they said to him, well, would you like to come in? Cause um, William Russell's leaving mm-hmm. and it was really, really short notice. So I think they still had stories prepared, which were written for Ian and Barbara, the previous two companions uh, galaxy forwards, the one that he quotes yeah, and he says it. he's having to take on um, Barbara's dialogue. Yes. So he's this big right. strapping man and he's having to pretend to be afraid of some quite slight ladies <laughs> with ray guns, which is <laughs> not great in his opinion. Um, essentially as well, if if you were a fan, if you had seen the new series, mm-hmm. right, uh, and not seen any of the old, and you watch The Time Meddler, mm-hmm. Stephen is almost like a Captain Jack figure. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. You know, you I can, can see he's, that, yeah. he's like a space what, pilot from the future. A space pilot from the future, sort of dashing, handsome, mm-hmm. and the story is, as you said, it's a pseudo historical. So it's a, an, an historical with science fiction elements. Mm-hmm. A lot, like and you Met- can't talk about the story without mentioning the monk. The monk, yes, Peter monk. Butterworth. I think he's brilliant. Oh, he's he's absolutely superb. I I really. I'm a big to fan old geezers like us, he's oh, yeah. he's better known for having done the Carry On films. Carry On, which is a films. kind of a British institution for anyone who's not familiar with those. It's kind of like a a comedy series of films, and he's he's in a I lot. I think of he he really makes that story. I think he's uh, a great sort of um, villain, he's a, a lovable he's villain, a lovable villain, and he's um, I don't want to, as I said, I don't don't want to spoil it, yeah. but he's. A sort of a prototype for another yeah, I, I character. Yeah, I see where you're going, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, you know, there's a, a character introduced yeah. later on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in another Doctor's run, mm-hmm. who's sort of, 
uh, he, he prefigures it a little bit, and it's it's also a really mysterious story. You know, there's there's a mystery mm-hmm. there. You, as a viewer, you're not just watching some historical event going on. Yeah. You've got this whole extra layer. I think, mm. yeah, that would be perfect. I actually didn't have that down on my ah, list. Okay. But not that, now that you mention it, I think, yeah, that's perfect. The one <laughs> I had the one I had done was for the Hartnell, the first Doctor, was the Dalek uh-huh. Invasion of Earth. The, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's another good one. That's a good, because, okay, the, the first Dalek story is, is great. Mm-hmm. Um but I think there's more to identify with in the Dalek invasion of Earth, yeah. being that it's set on Earth. But no, the time meddler, I think, would trump that. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, what's your yeah, point? Think, what do you think of the Dalek invasion of Earth? I think it's a good story. Um, and I, again, it's. I think I agree with what you said. It's It's more, you can relate to it a little bit more than you can to the original Dalek story because, you know, it's, it's right on your doorstep. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it makes for a pretty good viewing. It's... I can't remember how many parts it is now. I think it's, it's quite long. With a lot of yeah, a lot of the sixties stories can be anywhere between four and six parts, sometimes even yeah. a, as many as twelve parts. Yeah. Yeah. In something like the Daleks Master Plan. Um, yeah. uh, but it doesn't feel like it drags. It's it's it, good it, viewing. It's good viewing, but what's the the time medal is four, isn't it? Yeah, I think four so. Episodes. Yeah, yeah. So maybe mm-hmm. that's that's more accessible really. That's what that's not even that's, that's two hours of your time. Really, not mm-hmm. even two hours, you know. Uh, what, what were the episodes? They were 23, 24 minutes at the time? Yeah, about that, yeah. About that. And um, The Time Meddler, yeah, I, I could watch that again and again, actually, that mm-hmm. one. Especially the the uh, the opening scenes when uh, Stephen wanders mm-hmm. into the control room of the TARDIS yeah. and he's sort of bedraggled and he's, is he carrying a a teddy He's bear. He's got a toy panda, isn't he? Toy yeah, that's panda. That's a bit it. strange. It's a bit so. I mean, it, what a crazy show this is. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it's it's. Like you got a, the space helmet for a cow as well. Hartnell's, <laughs> <laughs> right. he's in sparkling form in this. Oh yeah, uh, lots of Billy sparkling. Fluffs along the way as well. Billy Fluffs, Billy Fluffs. For the uninitiated, William Hartnell. He he wasn't a particularly well man, and no, he would sometimes no. stumble on his lines. And because of this whole problem of not being able to afford to go back and edit, they'd have to leave them in. So they're affectionately known as Billy Fluffs. Billy, so you got a few of those smattered throughout his time on the show. I, I wonder. Well, I imagine that during the upcoming um, an adventure in time and space, or space and time, the Mark Gatiss mm-hmm. um, docudrama about the yeah. Uh, Genesis of Doctor, I, I suppose they'll go into more detail about that, about his yeah. medical condition, and mm-hmm. I think I think there was a lot of drink as as, as well, as far as I understand. Uh, mm. uh, but he was he was a very unwell man and uh, yeah. unhappy man. And, but as you said, they couldn't go back and mm-hmm. which kind of brings us on to the second Doctor. Oh God, my favorite. So bear in mind, you know. Your mind's already been blown if you're watching in 1963 by all this crazy space stuff going on and, mm-hmm. you know, traveling time and space, going to these faraway planets and seeing all this fantastic stuff go on. Um, and then without too much kind of prior warning, they decide to change the lead actor, which is something pretty much unheard of. I mean, it's happened once or twice in other stuff, yeah, other yeah. sort of shows, but it generally means the death knell for that particular program well when it was um, done on other shows they would just replace like i don't know did they do it in robin hood or 
yeah they, they've yeah. done it in in at the time you know if the lead actor was mm-hmm. unwell or had gone on to something else or had died yeah. they just replace mm-hmm. the actor and keep the same character and we just assume it was the same the same guy the, but in this the great case, choice they made was not to stick him in a, a gray wig and try and make him be William Hartnell. Yeah, exactly. They, they let him be his own man. Exactly. I mean, a, an utterly, totally different man. Uh, mm. And, you know, of because of the recent find of the uh, the uh, the missing episodes, The Enemy of the World yeah. and The Web of Fear, you know, we, we get to see a bit more of how mm-hmm. great he was. I think he's a... Because he... I may be biased because he's my favourite... Um, Classic it's so doctor. hard for me to choose. It's between it's a tie between him and Tom Baker. Yes, it's. I mean, I I just I just can't get enough of Patrick Troughton, the second Doctor, and I see a lot of. There's a lot of the eleventh Doctor in yeah. him, and I see that. It's you can tell it's the same man, but his story mm-hmm. because there's so many episodes missing, we don't have yeah. that much to choose from. And if you wanted to show somebody mm-hmm. uh, a story. From yeah, that era. You've, uh, you've got a, a slightly smaller selection to choose from. You do, and some of them are absolutely wonderful, and mm-hmm. some of them aren't so great. It's a bit of a mixed bag, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, even if the story itself isn't that great, Troutman is just spellbinding. You watch yeah. him on the screen, and yeah. his performance is pitch perfect. Yeah. And he's this incredible, he's quite a complex character because he comes across as this kind of bumbling sort of comedic character but you've got yeah. that sort of dark undercurrent which um i don't know if you saw stephen moffat being interviewed um uh-huh. they did a thing for bbc wales and he kind of goes over each doctor yes, yes and he's saying that there's this one thing that's sort of there in the background on all of them and particularly from the first one that he wanted to try and make sure it retained was this kind of intimation that he's actually a pretty dark character behind this facade yeah, he's an he's, he's an alien. He's a dark yeah. character. He's puts on this capable sort of, front. of you know some pretty messed up stuff. Oh, he's, when required, absolutely, and he's very clever about it. I mean, because mm-hmm. one of the stories that I I, I chose as uh, for the second Doctor for for mm-hmm. a new viewer was Tomb of the Cyberman. Yeah, I know that. Uh, it, for some reason, it, it goes up and down in fan estimation, but I, I absolutely mm-hmm. love it. Um, uh, I think one of the problems with Tomb of the Cybermen was it was re- sort of revered as this classic for so many years because it was missing, and then yeah. when it came back, there's only one way for it to go, really. You know, if yeah. it's been hailed as this, you know, incredible yeah. story, uh, I I like it. I really enjoy it, and I think there's some beautiful moments in there. Beautiful um, moments, and uh, you know, this, this especially well, just going back to the sort of how he can be a bit dark and a bit mysterious mm-hmm. and a bit tricksy. You know, he essentially in that story, without spoiling it too much, um, sets in chain the events that mm-hmm. cause all the problems for everyone. You know, yeah. he he, uh, you know, it's set in the tombs of the Cybermen. Mm-hmm. These archaeologists can't gain access to the tombs themselves and the doctor basically tells them how to do it knowing full well yeah. what will happen and so mm-hmm. there's this dark undercurrent as if he knew this was always going to happen and here's my mm-hmm. role and and but he still plays this affable sort of bumbling and yeah he, and he's a father figure to victoria in it yeah there's that beautiful scene isn't there where they're talking about um 
the she's obviously just in the previous story she's lost her father her father yeah. died and he kind of takes her under his wing and he's saying to her about how he can't see his family anymore but they're still there in his mind and he can see them when he wants to it's a beautiful moment that's that's mm. why i thought because of the the emo- emotional depth of it yeah which was sometimes lacking from um old stories um, yeah i think it sums up Troughton's take on the doctor i think yeah. he's he can, he's such a, a varied performance so that it all feels real it doesn't feel like it's it's jarring in any way it's exactly. a very complex character exactly and he's he's such a I mean, he he was a real. He, I think he's one of the few actors who, after Doctor Who, managed mm. to transition into other roles really easily. He really yeah. was playing a role. Some of the other actors who played the Doctor, T- Tom Baker, for example. Yeah. Towards the end of his run, he was essentially playing Tom Baker. Yeah. Um, John Pertwee, to a certain extent, but Patrick Trotton, mm-hmm. you can see he's playing a role. He's studied it. He knows the character. Yeah. And he knows the emotional highs and lows, but and I, I think it comes across in that story too of the Cybermen. But what choice did mm. you have? What did you think for the well, second? Well, I've got a couple. Doctor? I mean, yeah, thanks to well. recent events, we've got a couple more stories that we couldn't have done if we were recording this last year. Um, I think Enemy of the World, which has just been returned to the archive after being yeah. missing for nearly fifty years, is a great story. It's a six-parter, mm. but it doesn't feel like it drags at all. Um, right. It's Does, available on iTunes as we record, but it's due on DVD within a week or two of, of this being recorded. 25th, I think, now that, that I'm mm-hmm. checking, is the 25th of November. Yeah. It's released in DVD in the UK, mm-hmm. at least. Um, so I'll try not to spoil it as as much as I can. It's um, one of the reasons why it's a special story is they do this from time to time. It's, it's something that you'll see in other doctors as well you'll have a doppelganger mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so um the doctor turns up on a beach in australia goes for a little dip in the sea um there's lots of nice little comedy moments there and it looks quite epic because they've obviously spent a lot of the budget on the first episode you've got hovercraft and um, right. helicopters and it turns out that there's this guy who's trying to gain world power as this kind of um dictator type and mm-hmm. he just happens to look exactly like patrick tratton's doctor he's called salamander and he's got a, a quite an unusual mexican accent mexican yeah uh, see because i haven't i'm i'm waiting for it to come out in dvd to watch i mm-hmm. haven't seen it yet and i know very little of the story so mm-hmm. essentially i would be coming to it as a new as a new viewer so mm-hmm. I mean, so you say it doesn't drag, it doesn't... No, no it's great fun. Um, episode three was in the archive for quite some time because of the way these missing stories have kind of found their way back. Um, episode three had been around for a, quite a while, so we'd had that to be able to watch mm-hmm. on its own, but mm-hmm. you couldn't really... Although all the audio still existed because fans at the time, although they couldn't record the video, they could record the audio and listen back to it. Mm-hmm. We could kind of reconstruct it. Um, but it, that episode sitting on its own doesn't really reflect what the rest of the story is like. It's it's almost something of its own, um, mm. which you'll understand once you've watched it. Does it surprise um, but, you? Did it surprise you when you watched it? Yeah, um, because the two big stories that came out were Enemy of the World and Web of Fear. Mm-hmm. Web of Fear is heralded as this classic, and I, I love it. It's a fantastic story. 
Um, but because, I, I mean, I was aware of Enemy of the World when I was a kid growing up. You read all the, the program guides and that kind of stuff, and you think, yeah, that could be interesting. But mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. perhaps because it didn't have, you know, the legendary monsters, because that was the season of the monsters. You had mm. um, the Daleks, you had the Ice Warriors, and all these various sort of big monsters coming. You had the Yeti, all in yeah. that series. This is the one that stands alone from that. It's almost like a a Doctor Who take on James Bond, that kind of big <laughs> epic thriller sort of thing, global conspiracies and that kind of stuff. Enemy bases and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And, and Patrick Troughton is brilliant in this. I mean, all the casts are really, really good. The supporting cast um, are excellent, but, but Troughton, we've said this before on the other podcast, it, you, you really see the nuances in his performance that you can't see from watching stills in a reconstruction. Right. Um and it's ugh, you're in for a treat if if you want to try and get your head around what how the second doctor works this is a really good story so i'd recommend that one and the other one that came to mind which is a pretty much a nailed on recommendation is the war games yeah i had that as well that's my mm -hmm. all-time favorite actually yeah and that is his final story and he goes out with a real bang there's so much in it i mean it's mm. It's historical, it's science mm -hmm. fiction, it's uh, got, it starts to introduce, this is why it would be interesting for a new viewer, it starts to introduce or go more into detail of the mythology, yeah. the mythology of the Doctor. It's the first mention really, we have. This, yeah. yeah, until we have this story, we don't, I mean, there's very little information about the Doctor. You know, he's an alien Yeah. Uh, on the run from his own people. That's about it. Yeah. And then we get the, you know, there's the Time Lord. The first time the Time Lords are mentioned, mm -hmm. without spoiling it too much, he meets another Time Lord. But there's a lot more in it than that. Mm -hmm. It's it's incredible. I mean, on, on the it's ten episodes. Yeah, there is a lot of. I don't want to say filler, but but it's done in an entertaining way. It's done it? in yeah. Because of the performances. It doesn't feel like you're just sitting there thinking, oh, God, when is this going to end? Oh, yeah. Ne um, never. At no point do you feel that. And it's heart-wrenching. I find it yeah, really sad. It uh, is. I mean, it's, they kind of did something similar um, for Donna Noble's exit in the in the new series. Oh, and the st not the Stolen Earth. The, um, mm -hmm. the one after the Stolen Earth. Um, Journey's End. Journey's End. It's like that. It's 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 heartbreaking like that. Yeah. And, and really, you know, it's uh, as you know, it's his last story as mm -hmm. the second Doctor. Well, of course, he came back. The last uh, one of his run. The yeah. last one of his run. And mm -hmm. you know, at the every time I watch it, you know, when when the end's coming, and I really think, mm -hmm. no, I really don't want him to go. I really don't want him to go. I, it, even though I know. Mm -hmm. That's the I've seen the I've seen that story so many times. Um, You've got two great villains in there as well. I mean, oh, Philip Maddock is chilling. someone in sort of Doctor Who folklore because he's been in quite a number of different stories right the way across the series, and he's great in that. He's, Absolutely superb. He I think he appeared earlier in the same series in the Crotons. I think that was the same season. Yes. Um, yeah. It's. So they get him all bearded up and That's wearing true. funny glasses. And uh, yeah, he's really spooky. It's a really chilling and 
here's the thing I I find about a very modern performance. You know yeah. what I mean? It's less stagey, less less mm-hmm. theatrical. The Philip yeah. Maddox performance is very sort of subtle and like you you could see him clearly in the new series playing exactly yeah. the same role, the same character. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, you know, he and doesn't... you've also got the war chief as well. Who, yeah. Oh, I feel really bad now because I forget the actor's name, but it's Mr. Mika from rent a Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Edwards, uh, Edwards, something his name is. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm a bad fan. But he's but really good in it. He's very good. He's superb. He's super. He's very a bit more theatrical, but the, yeah. the role he plays is vital importance, and it's well, it's connected again to the time medal, I suppose. It's, mm-hmm. We get to meet another yeah prototype for a, mm-hmm. a future. A future character, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Uh, he's a, uh, may as well say he's like a prototype master. Yeah. Um, I think even people have suggested that that's the case. Mm. Uh, yeah. But there's great moments in it. That's, that's the, I would recommend anyone to watch that. Mm-hmm. Um, just for the, the, the variety and the, yeah. the, the depth and the scope and the, you know, it, it goes, You've got Romans, you've got First World War, you've got yeah. uh, American Civil Mexican War, Revolution, Mexican Revolution, Mexican uh, Revolution, weird space <laughs> fetish masks and yeah. gimp gear. And, uh, and oh, oh. space wardrobes. Space wardrobes. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely, it's, it's absolutely superb. And the, the ty- it's very much a 1960s story, isn't it? You yeah. get, it's yeah. almost Austin Powers when it comes to all the, um, you've got these really cool kind of sets where you've got these zigzag lines and yeah. it's, it's very of its time, which really? I love. I think it's great. Oh yeah. I mean, it's very much of its time and it's very sort of, yeah, groovy looking. Yeah. You know, that's it. And the, the the performances are superb and the time lords when they make mm-hmm. their appearance they're scary yeah they're not like the the sort of fusty sort of corrupt um mm-hmm. politicians that have appeared later these, these are like really powerful scary time lords mm-hmm. and you sort of get you start to understand why the doctor ran away why he got yeah. away from this because yeah you know there's a point why just sit and observe if you can go out and experience it yeah that's it and it really and but that could have been as far as i understand that could have been the end of the show then because they weren't yeah. too sure whether it was going to continue yeah i mean as as popular as patrick Troughton is amongst doctor who fans the the ratings at the time weren't spectacular no no and it could have been and then but then it's it's an ideal well the following story the the first story of the third doctor that's another mm-hmm. jumping on point as well because yeah. everything's different then it's a fresh start yeah you start with a clean slate so you don't necessarily have to know the backstory to be able to to understand and appreciate the story yeah that's because i um well this is a third doctor story i had down spearhead from space mm-hmm. as a as sort of a for a beginner, for someone new to yeah. who, because as you said, you don't need to know any prior knowledge. Uh, there's a couple of lines, you know, there's the brigadier mm-hmm. is there, but there's a new doctor and it's, 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 a, it's a new series. Essentially it's in color. Yeah. It's a set on earth. You know, you could, you could be watching a new, a 
apart from the elements of like the TARDIS and the name Doctor Who mm-hmm. and, the, and the music, it could be a totally different show. And I, I think it's a really good story, Spirit from Space, because of the autons and, you know, yeah. breaking, you know, the famous scene of them breaking the shop dummies, smashing through the windows and shooting mm-hmm. people and, and all of it's that. It's written by Robert Holmes, who's kind of within oh, Doctor yeah. Who fandom, is kind of regarded as the the best writer yeah. to have ever written for the show, pretty much. He, he I mean, in that, he introduces so many elements that, that, that do come back. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Autons have come back. Yeah. I don't know how many times now. What In Terror of the Autons, mm-hmm. in Rose, of course. Yeah. So that's why it might be of interest to new fans. And the Pandorica. Yeah, Pandorica opens, yeah. Yeah, so we get the Autons. So they were all, mm-hmm. you know, he created a new monster that sort of become iconic. Mm. And... I, I just think that's a great story. And also because it's shot on film because there was a... a yeah, a it studio. looks fabulous. It looks fabulous. Have you seen the... Um, uh, I don't have a Blu-ray player, but have you seen the, the Blu-ray? I have. Oh, it's glorious. Really? It is stunning. Yeah. Oh, really superb. I may have Best to... watch on a big screen. I don't have a massive TV screen, but um, yeah, it is really impressive. You can see the difference. They actually have a... In the extras, they have a comparison between the original DVD edition and the mm-hmm. DVD special edition and then the Blu-ray edition so you can see the improvement of the picture quality and it is really really good it's it's great I remember I got it I, I rented it from the, mm-hmm. the library you know mm-hmm. on video cassette when it came out yeah. and it was the unedited it was the edited version um, like omnibus version where they took out all uh, of the, yeah. the credit sequences mm-hmm. and the end of episodes and made it one continuous story remember they used to do right. that with some yeah, of the yeah. some of the videos so i watched it like yeah, they a, used to do that, they? like yeah. a movie like a pilot essentially mm-hmm. and the first time i saw it i saw it like that and uh, it was it blew me away it still does what about yeah. you what 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 did you have for well i i chose one from the same season i thought inferno would be quite a yeah an exciting one to to throw into the pot. Yeah, it it it's sums brilliant. up that era for me because you've got what makes the third Doctor's era different from the others is, as you say, the set on Earth. You've got this recurring cast of characters in the unit family as they become known. Yeah, um, and it's quite an interesting plot as well. Um, you've got this whole thing of an alternate universe. Yeah, um, and how that plays out compared to our reality. Yeah. And it, I think it's it's quite an exciting story. I had that down as well on the list because mm-hmm. um I mean on on paper it looks like quite a dull story. Yeah. About yeah. mining okay, they're mining mm-hmm. to the Earth's core and that releases a this gas that transforms people into Green werewolf zombies? Yeah, I don't know exactly <laughs> what they are. And that goes on for a few episodes. And then... Possibly John Levine's finest acting work there, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> acting might be going too far. But, yeah, okay, uh, right. But, um, <laughs> sorry, that's yeah. terrible. But um, then midway through, this whole thing of being transported to an alternate universe again. Yeah. That, that's something that probably wasn't done much at the time that's something you'd no. imagine now because of series mm-hmm. like fringe or, or yeah slider no, it's very ahead of its time in that respect well ahead of its time 
I, I suppose you can imagine something like the Twilight Zone. I'm sure they've done that yeah, umpteen yeah. times. So I guess it wasn't that original, but within the context of Doctor Who, it was something that hadn't really been done too much before. Hadn't been done, and sort of so he winds up in this sort of fascist, pseudo fascist yeah. version of Earth. The same mining operation is going on. You've still got these. It's a real, the tension in the story is yeah. really good. They yeah. do a great job of drawing out the tension. You feel when it comes to every cliffhanger. Because that's another thing, classic Who, that you don't get too much of in, in modern Who is the cliffhanger ending. Yeah, exactly. It's, so if they're going to spread this out over anywhere between four, six, seven weeks or whatever it might, what it might be, yeah, you've got to have some moment of peril at the end of the episode to want to draw the, the viewer back to watch it the next week. Oh, yeah. And there's some great ones in this. It really... I know, I know that... I, I hesitated a bit, a bit about this one because I thought, mm. is it too long? And is it mm -hmm. too uh, stagey? Because a lot of it's set in that. Yeah, I know uh, what you mean. But but no, on rewatching, you know, there's a lot of there's so much in it, and mm. it's it, it really it just goes to show again what a weird show Doctor Who is and and was. Yeah. You know, just it's just crazy. I mean. Um, it, it's very much of its time, the way it looks and everything, but it's, it's absolutely yeah. brilliant. I'd, I'd recommend that heartily. There are some great themes that run through that whole era when uh, Barry Letts was producing the programme. They brought in <clears throat> a lot of stories about ecology and mm -hmm. um, his one of his real things that he was into was Buddhism. And yeah. So you get some of that coming through as well. That's right, um, yeah. So, yeah, you get some really interesting stories, even if... I may have possibly gone on record as saying John Pertwee is not my favourite Doctor. I, there are. I would agree with you. I have to admit, mm. I, 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 I like. I mean, I'd watch them, but he, he's mm. the Doctor. I, I, I just feel cold to him. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I, I've never warmed to him as the Doctor. Um, I don't know if it's because of. Well, that's the beauty of this program, because for all the people like me and you who perhaps aren't so keen on John Pertwee there will be another bunch of people who are absolutely smitten with him he's their favorite doctor he's their ultimate doctor and it's great I think it's that oh, diversity yeah. is one of the things I love about being in Doctor Who fandom yeah that's it I mean there's no there's people who you know if if I said you know I said I absolutely love the second doctor and there's people I think mm. there's uh like even uh friends like uh, Warren from Radio mm. Free Scarrow, who doesn't like mm -hmm. the first two Doctors, I think. He's gone on record as saying that. Yeah, he's he, not a big fan of uh, 60s 60, TV, I don't think. He's not a big fan of 60s TV, whereas I absolutely mm. love it. And that's the whole thing, the diversity of fandom. You know, yeah. he is that opinion, I have an opposite opinion. He may love mm -hmm. the third Doctor, I'm a bit cold to him. You, you know, it, that, that's what's wonderful about it. And... Mm. Because it's so varied, it's such. Uh, it's a show that constantly reinvents itself. Um, and they, they tend to, when they cast a new Doctor, they tend to cast someone who's quite different from the predecessor. They don't. They don't try to ape the person who's gone before. And I think that is probably more stark in the next Doctor than perhaps any other Doctor. Oh yeah. Before or since, you've got the incomparable. Oh Madcap, crazy, scary Tom Baker. Scary, and I would say the Doctor, maybe not the darkest Doctor, but the one most you could imagine killing. 
he you could imagine that he would mm. kill someone or he would I mean I, I say scary um but having said that you know as a kid he was my doctor that's the first person mm. I saw playing the doctor mm. when I was a kid so I grew up in the 70s so I would have been about 6 when I started watching it mm. and but you always felt safe yes and I think that's a thing with doctor who um it's renowned for being like a kid's show that gives you... I mean, people assume it's sci-fi. I don't really see it as a sci-fi. There's, there's, there's futuristic elements to it. It's more of a fantasy programme. Absolutely. And Absolutely. certainly during his time on the show, they went a lot further down the road for scares. I mean, obviously in the past they achieved you know, some kind of scary quota yeah. by having the likes of the Daleks and stuff, which were you know pretty creepy for their time i'm sure people who'd never seen anything like that before would have freaked right out yeah absolutely um, but certainly within that era they really ramp up the the scares but you always felt safe with him so although you i mean i would be sitting on the floor my parents would be on the sofa watching my older brother would be sat with them and then i gradually sort of edge closer and closer to the sofa as things got more and more scary mm -hmm. and then i'd be on the sofa with the cushion <laughs> just for a bit of extra protection but it always felt safe you know it was a safe scare it was a because i love being scared as a kid i think that's one of the things that attracted oh, me to the program kids love but you know something i used to be scared by his face in the title sequence right okay yeah. that was it now i was born in 1979 so mm -hmm. and he left in 1981 yeah 81 so i don't really have any clear memories of it but I, I do have a very early memory of it must be the la the the season 18 mm -hmm. yeah uh title the music and the title yeah. sequence and mm -hmm. uh that scared me i don't know why that the face <laughs> the music and the face on the screen i i, I don't know why he had a sort of scary face for for a very young child i i do remember that and yeah and he served the longest of all of the the guys to have played the Doctor so far. So it's it's quite uh, eight, eight in years? some respects is a uh, I think it was se was it seven years? Seven years. What would you say would be the best story to watch for? Oh my goodness! There's, uh, so, there's so many different eras within his. Yeah, because so if you look at it, I kind of define it as three separate chunks mm. that make up his mm. time on the show. You've got the very early stuff. Yeah. Um, with um what a lot of people see as the dream lineup, which is... Um, Sarah and Harry. Yeah, and also the production side of things as well. You've got Philip Hinchcliffe as the producer, yeah. mm. and you've got Robert Holmes, the script editor. Yeah. Um, so they they go for a sort of gothic take on Doctor Who, and yeah. then you move into the Graham Williams era, era, where they go a bit more for the sort of comedic side of things and yeah. more fantasy. And then you go into the final part, which is the beginning of JNT's take on the show which yeah. goes much more for a, a more serious approach to it yeah. um i mean an obvious one which i've championed many many times is city of death yes that's my favorite one yeah um one argument against it i suppose is that it's quite different from a lot of the stuff around it so if you watch that for the first time expecting everything to be like that you would be probably a little bit disappointed. Yes, that's it. It's but it is a glorious, glorious story. When watched in, in when watched in isolation, um, mm -hmm. 
it's incredible. And it really, I think it serves as a sort of a template. I think you said this before somewhere, but it serves mm-hmm. as a template for the new series a lot. The humor, yeah. there's an undertone of romance between yeah. the Doctor and... Oh, well, it, it's quite clear, actually. Uh, well, the humor well in the reality, world. they were it, yeah. having a sort of romantic yeah. kind of side to their lives, weren't they? Yeah, they're bigger on the inside. Um, <laughs> there's all of that, and it's it really... That was Douglas Adams, written by Douglas Adams. Oh, yeah, I love Douglas Adams. And, I mean, it's just a crazy story. Um, mm. I, I would say, like for a new, that that's some. If if I was showing an episode to someone who hadn't seen classic Who before, yeah, I'd show them that from the Tom Baker era because I just think they'll get. It's the got most the lot. You've yeah. got you've got a great cast. You've got a really cracking story. The music is something a little bit different because Dudley Simpson was the the oh, composer yeah. and he had a house style which was. You know, you could pretty much go from one story to the next and it, was lovely it would sound language. fairly similar, but this this had a real different tone to it. The fact that it's filmed on location in Paris as well. Oh, so it's got that sort of epic quality to it from that. Um, Julian Glover is a fantastic yeah. um, villain. Yes, he's brilliant. Um, I forget the name of his wife in the, um, in the show. Uh, she plays Lady, not Lady... Um... Yes, I know what you mean, but she's, she's really good. Yes. <laughs> she, she's very good, and there's oh, some beautiful dialogue. Yeah, that's the one that um, I think Gareth Roberts is now novelizing. Yes, that's it, right. There, yeah. There's never I been a novelization of it. No, no. Officially, anyway. And mm-hmm. I, because he did stunning work with Shada, which was, the, yeah. was supposed to be the, the story after that, which I think may mm-hmm. have been much in the, in the same tone. Douglas Adams. Yeah, I think so. Uh, which, which is a pity it's never been made or, or made properly anyway. Yeah. Um, best not go into that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, I don't know what you mean. No, uh, no, no. <laughs> but no, I, I think it, it's just a great all-rounder. It's a perfect story. I think there's a few others that I would certainly yeah. point people in the direction of. Uh, I think The Horror of Fang Rock <gasps> is a really good story. That's properly scary. Yeah. Um it's it's got the atmosphere of a sort of gothic horror it's on a remote location yeah. you've got um a very sort of um quite a small cast um and they're trapped in this lighthouse yeah. and it's being invaded by perhaps not the most convincing alien but no but there there are some really nice horror moments in there oh, some really yeah. creepy moments it really it it scares the pants of you and the yeah. the doctor the way Tom Tom Baker plays the Doctor in, in mm. that story, there's something I don't know, not sinister about him, but something almost kind as of if he's brooding, brooding, and like he's mm. relishing it a little bit. You know, yeah. some of the lines he said, "What is it? You know, we're all we're all going to die." Some, there's some famous line anyway. Yeah. Says, well, we're we're all going to die, or something like that, and he's he's enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Okay, he looks very serious and everything, but you know, yeah, and. Um, I mean, the story before that as well was Talons of Wang Chang. Wang Chang, yeah. I mean, it's a Stone Cold classic as well. It's a classic. I don't know whether I would. I I did that have that down originally on the list, mm-hmm. but I don't know whether that would play well to someone who who hadn't seen Doctor Who before because it's it's very much of its time. Mm. Uh, 
not just in terms of you know the sort of seventies gothic yeah. uh, hammer horror. I mean, it's brilliant. I love all that. Some of the the the, the racial um, elements of it are, yeah. are a bit ropey. But then again, that's of its yeah. time. I mean, we can't we can't. Uh, uh, I, I think um, we tend to be a bit forgiving of yeah. old old sort of stories yeah. and just kind of view them as they were meant for the time. They were, which maybe is not the way to do it, but. I, I really rate that story. I think it's a great I, I story. I love it. I love it. And as well, you're talking about in horror, Fine Rock, a slightly mm-hmm. unconvincing monster. Well, in Talons of Wayne Kang, you've got the, <laughs> the, the, the big rat. The cute, cuddly rat. Which is uh, just a slightly embarrassing. But then you've got Jake. If they just lit it slightly differently, oh, it would have been yeah. perfect. Or just showed the mouth or, or did it yeah. from the, the rat's point of view, you know, from the... Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing it through the eyes of the rat or something. I don't know, but it's that. Uh, but no, Horrifying Rock, I, I reckon, is that's one to show people. And City of Death. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah. I'm maybe Pyramids of Mars, but I don't know if I'm just saying that yeah. because it's popular. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it is, as we said, it's really hard to sort of pick a few out of that yeah. whole era because there are so, so many. Diverse, so diverse. Mm. Uh, mm. State of Decay, uh, yeah. no, I don't know if I show Legopolis is is great, but it's well, it's it's, it's interesting because it's a regeneration story. It's also yeah. it's got a different tone to it. Um, I'm not sure it was the best send off they could have no. had for Tom, but no. you know it's it's part of the mythos now. Yeah, yeah, it's just a bit and too. Scientific, not scientific. There's too much jargon, and it's sort of a bit yeah. alienating. For yeah, I think they were going for the for that kind of take on the, on the program at that point. They were going for a more serious, yeah, more for a more serious take on it, and yeah. try and cut out some of the humour. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's of interest, I guess, if you want to see how the transition works, and yeah. you know, you've got. Arguably one of the most popular doctors on his swan song, so it's, exactly. it's worth a look. You've got the master as well, yeah, who's a pretty key character through the the classic series, on and off, on and off. And but also, it's I mean, as you said, you could pick anything from Tom Baker's reign and mm. and show it to well, some some you wouldn't absolutely, you know, like uh, Underworld, Underworld. <laughs> yes, <laughs> actually, in fairness, apart from the. I mean, they were working on a shoestring budget. Um, apart from some of the effects, which aren't stellar, I think the story is is kind of fun. Yeah, it's all fun. I mean, there's there's something that there's never. I tell you what, there's never a dull moment with Tom Baker. Mm. Whenever he's on the screen no. playing the Doctor, it's always brilliant and enjoyable, mm-hmm. and that's why. And Louise Jameson is a great actress as well. Oh, I think she deserves a lot of credit. She's she's, she's very brilliant. good. And maybe we'll get onto this afterwards, but you know, when, the, mm-hmm. when they've reunited for Big Finish, uh, Louise Jameson and Tom Baker, it's mm-hmm. just been superb. You know, they yeah. Really... Also, um, the key to time is quite a nice little yeah uh, set because you've got that kind of running theme to go through it. So if you wanted to really go into it big style, you've got that yeah story arc as a, a, a sort of standalone. Yeah story arc which you could follow and it's got the beautiful mary tam yeah, something for the dad you know so who <laughs> is a really good actress as well she's brilliant um sadly missed yeah so yeah. so yeah i think that that would be another uh good choice possibly yeah 
there's so much for Tom Baker. I just realized. Yeah. yeah like, you just show anything. It's so hard to choose. Oh, yeah. But of course, then we have to move on to, mm. to Peter Davison, who takes over as the fifth Doctor. Yes. It was. How did you find this one, choosing a story? I or find it a... hard. Yeah? I find it, I mean... There's, there's a few really key stories, in my opinion. You've got something like Kinder, which is fairly early yeah. on in his take on the Doctor. I think that's quite an interesting story because they don't go for an obvious kind of bringing back an old monster they go for this quite a it's quite a high concept in a lot yeah. of ways you've got this whole thing of a lot of it goes on in within it's kind of internalized it's yeah. within one of the characters minds yeah um albeit for the lack of a bit of budget and yeah. i mean I, I think it's it's hard for them to visualize the sort of big monster in inverted commas at the end of the story because yeah. There was no real way for them to be able to do it convincingly at the time. They didn't have CG in the way that we do now. No, no, but they, but I think if you give, if you give the story a go on its merits, I think it's very good. Oh, it's brilliant! It's absolutely brilliant. And sorry, yeah, yeah I was going to say the, the the guest cast is superb. Um, that wonderful actor. You got Richard Todd. Richard Todd and from Dambusters. Yeah, and you've also got Simon Rouse, who is just stunning. He's brilliant. Yeah. And he he does the, the most amazing crazy acting he's <laughs> he's banana pants crazy he really I goes love, for it that's what i love in some of the classic you know the the over-the-top crazy acting that you yeah. the very theatrical you can't men people <laughs> brilliant love it um that is a good story. i mean did you have any choices that you felt would be right well i'm gonna be very safe i i mm. chose the five doctors. Yeah. Just, and that's nice because you, you're kind of getting a look at, you know, the characters interacting, these different doctors, and it gives you a little taster of what those doctors are like, possibly. That's what I mean as a jumping on point. And Peter Davison is mm. the sort of, because he's the, the, the current doctor at that time. Yeah. And it's his story and he's the hero and he's mm -hmm. got some wonderful moments in it. Um, yeah. I, I just, I suppose because it's the story I've, I've seen the most of, uh, mm. The Fifth Doctor. I like Enlightenment. Yeah. Again, it's got some really interesting concepts. Yeah. It's just, I don't know whether... I don't know whether somebody who's attuned to New Who or somebody who'd never seen the show before would particularly enjoy it. But then it's got that, that weird mix. Yeah, sort of it's not a pseudo-historic... It's weird. It's like a... Yeah. It's a weird <laughs> mix of... You know, um, historical with futuristic with God. I think if you've got someone who's watched the new series for for some time, I think probably they, you know their minds might be open to exploring classic here. And I think there are some kind of um, crossovers between what they're doing now and what they did back then, albeit with a different kind of visual yeah. flair. That's it. Um, so I think I think they could. I think there's certainly an audience for it who who could probably take something from it. Yeah, I mean, there's a through line from Enlightenment to, say, obvious example, Curse of the Black Spot or mm -hmm. uh, anything else where you've sort of got a mixture of old uh, technology. Kind of historical and, and, and science kind so, of yeah, clashing. Yeah, like Girl it? in the Fireplace, that, that kind yeah. of thing. You know, there's a through line. 
So mm-hmm. that, that could be appealing. Um, I mean, the obvious one to choose, really, is the one that topped the, the, the 200 poll in Doctor Who magazine yeah, a few years ago, which was Peter Davison's final story and yeah. arguably, for a lot of people, his best story, which is The Caves of Androzani. Yeah, yeah. That, that's really... It's so different, though, from the rest. Mm, yeah. From everything that follows it. I mean, it, it's a bit like City of Death in that respect. If you watch yeah. that in isolation, mm-hmm. wonderful. But then if you... If that, if that was the first Peter Davison story you watched and then watched some of the preceding stories, you yeah. might be very dis- disappointed. Um, mm. I think one of the reasons it worked so well was because it was so different from what had gone before. Yeah. And sadly, I think they tried to carry that on to the following season and it didn't really it didn't work. pan out. But I think it's, you know, from minute one, he's action doctor. Oh, God. Because um, yeah. it, it, I... Peter Davison, I think, is a really good actor. He's wonderful. Um, I think perhaps his interpretation, because Tom had been so big and boisterous, he wanted to calm it down and, and uh, make, play a more sort of, I suppose, a more human doctor. Yeah. A more sort of calm yeah. doctor. Heroic. Um, but he, yeah, yeah. Um, but he, he pulls out all the stops. You know, yeah. he really is action hero from minute one yeah and uh it's a great story it's his finest and performance a brilliant send-off yeah it's yeah a, yeah it's it's finest performance as the doctor and you know it's it just sums him up the sacrifice yeah. that he makes uh mm. the there's that wonderful moment when they realize that they i don't want to spoil it but when they realize the doctor and perry realize they've got something that is mm-hmm probably going to kill them and uh, is it uh, not philip glenister robert glenister uh yeah. tells him that and he starts laughing or giggling manically mm-hmm. that bit it's really chilling bit in it yeah yeah i never forget and um i just even the okay of course it's his last story regenerates it at the end mm-hmm. that's sinister it's just it's a scary regeneration the yeah. way it's filmed it's that's a great story I can see mm. I can see why it tops so many polls. I it it isn't my favorite it, it wouldn't even be in my top ten favorite Doctor Who stories, but I, I do mm-hmm. as representative of the fifth doctor's run, I, I'd say it's, it's probably the best. That and the five doctors yeah. and unless you've any other choices for the fifth? No, I think that I think that sums it up. I mean everyone will have their favorites, so apologize apologies if we didn't mention your favorite. Um I do have another fifth yeah. doctor favorite but it's mm-hmm. not on TV, but maybe we'll come to that. Okay, all right. So if we move on to Colin Baker, uh, the sixth doctor. Mm. Mm. <laughs> a tricky a tricky one. <laughs> it's tricky because where do you I don't know where do you start. I don't know. Hmm. Twin dilemmas. No, I wouldn't show that to anyone. <laughs> well, yeah. Maybe I'm sad, but I, I can watch it. Oh, I can watch it, but I just, I, it, it, it looks very. I suppose because it looks so eighties and it's so garish mm. and it's so. Yeah. It's, there's annoying characters in it. Um, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, if you look at if you look at something like Attack of the Cybermen, it's yes, it's very 
weighed down by exposition and trying to fit in as much of sort of past stories yeah, as they possibly continuity can. continuity heavy story. Yeah, it's it's kind of a dynamic sort of thriller in its own yep, way. Yeah. Um, bit on the violent side, particularly at the end. Yes. Um, one of the the listeners to the Blue Box podcast called Mark Whiteley wrote in and asked what story would we recommend to show his three-year-old son. Uh, and to, obviously if you watch enough of the Colin Baker era, because Eric Sayward was yeah. very fond of lots of violence, yeah. um, it's a really hard one to pick. And I think in the end we ended up going for the twin dilemma because it was the the sort of the least scary it's kid friendly um, yeah true that is yeah, it's kid friendly yeah. it is a bit like a, a 1980s kids program the twin dilemma like kids show mm -hmm. <laughs> like yeah, uh, yeah. Gro what was it a tea bag remember that grot bags no no uh what was she? it was tea bag or tea leaf she was a woman and there was a little boy who oh. went with her and there was a it was a, it was like a kids sort of science fiction show around the time uh, Maybe I must have missed that. Some, I was probably too old for that. It, it seemed a bit like that, the Twin Dilemma anyway. The same sort of sense. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, Attack of the Cybermen, maybe. Because it's, mm. it's I, I know all the continuity stuff and it's really heavy, but it's it's a dynamic story. A lot happens and it's... I'm trying to, I quite like um, The Mysterious Planet from yeah. the, the season after that. Yes. It's, it's a Robert Holmes, so you know you're in fairly safe hands. I could and watch. there's some nice little sort of plot twists and things. You could watch. I could. I would recommend that to someone if it didn't have the trial. Scenes. Yeah, it makes it really hard for anyone who's trying to. You know, if you're a casual viewer coming into it, it's quite. It's a big ask, really, because you've got this whole, effectively a, was it a fourteen part yeah. story. But in isolation, I think if you if you can watch it mm. as the story, then I think. It's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. But um, it's a very yeah, do doctorish moment. There's a great doctorish moment in that uh, in the mysterious planet when there's. I won't spoil mm. it, but when a discovery is made, mm -hmm. um, somebody makes a discovery, and the doctor's reaction to it and his companion's reaction to it mm -hmm. are. It's just a joy to watch. It's a very doctorish moment. You see the human side. Uh, do you know the bit I'm talking about when yeah, yeah. Uh, a, dis a discovery is made? Uh, I won't say more than that to spoil it. I don't want to spoil <laughs> it for anyone. I think he's he was a bit unfortunate because of the, the politics of the BBC at the time. Um, I don't think the person in charge at, at the very top of the BBC really liked Doctor Who and was really that bothered about it carrying on. Yeah. So I think... They set up a lot of stuff early on that really couldn't get paid off um, because of what was going on. So I think he got a bit of a a raw deal, but I think he managed to redeem himself later when it came to the audio stuff for Big Finish. Absolutely. So I think he, Absolutely. he got his moment to shine from that. You know, I mean, uh, they say that Colin Baker really is the big finish doctor. I mean, he's the one who's really had the chance to shine uh, on the audios on big finish. And mm -hmm. that's not to say that there's, he doesn't have great moments in, he does have some really great moments during his run. He just wasn't given the chance. I, I, I wonder if he was given another 
cracker of the whip an extra season. Mm-hmm. Uh, what it, what Can it, you imagine what it'd been like if you'd had Colin Baker, but with Cartmel as the the script editor? I think that might have been a, quite an interesting. Yeah, especially the dark, difference. the dark Doctor elements. You know, when they were sort of brought. It's yeah. You know, sometimes you play these little mind games with yourself, trying to imagine an alternate history of the show and yeah. if this had happened and that had happened and what what could have what would have been like in you know time in the rani mm. uh i think that's another good choice actually for, if i had to try and pick one out um right okay oh no not uh, what am i talking mark yeah. of the rani or no, time no, of the mark, rani? sorry mark of the rani sorry yeah. what was i saying no i know i, I shoot, panicked. shoot me now <laughs> i panicked for a moment there <laughs> mark, mark of the rani for a colin baker one is I think it's something a bit different from what goes on around it because it's a historical, but kind of pseudo-historical. Yeah. Um, and it's less gratuitous in its its violence. You've got some perhaps not quite so special effects in, in one particular sequence. No. But, no. Um, yeah, some nice character stuff going on with the Doctor and the Master and the Rani. I think it's I think it's a fun story. So I think that possibly might be a... A contender for yeah. a, a a good Colin Baker story to watch. It's accessible. You're absolutely right. Yeah, but hmm. time of the Rani, no. I mean, yeah, yeah. We're getting into the seven. Um, <laughs> I'd I'd like to try and forget that one existed. Really, yeah. I think I think even the people who participated in it, the actors would yeah. rather didn't exist. Yeah. I mean, uh, I remember watching it, being really excited about the new Doctor mm-hmm. and everything, and Oh, I was so disappointed at the time. I was so disappointed. But for the seventh Doctor, yeah. there, there are some great stories. There are. I think he's quite underrated in yeah. in some respects. And you mentioned Warren before. He's not a, a fan of sixties Doctor Who. He's very much not a fan of Sylvester McCoy's yeah. Doctor Who. I don't think he's got anything against Sylvester McCoy. Oh no, no, because he's. I mean, uh, he's, himself, he's uh, he, 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 he like loves the uh, the. The actor and and yeah, yeah. I don't think but I just think he's he's not enamoured with that period in the show. I can history. see why a little bit. He wasn't well served. Uh, there was no money. Mm. They were under a lot of pressure. Uh, but there's some gems that come out of it. I mean, oh yeah. Uh, and I think as time goes on, the show definitely starts to get back to where it had been before. Yes, yes. I mean, one of the ones I I picked. I suppose this is in reverse order, but. Uh, mm-hmm. As a jumping-on point for a new fan, uh, yeah. survival came to mind. I know that mm. people say there's a lot of flaws in it, especially some of the costume design and whatever. But as a template for the new series, yeah, you you can see the connection yeah, between survival and Rose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to say, I've, I've never been a big fan of the the cheetah people no, costumes, but. Again, you know, like a lot of classic stuff, if you can overlook some of the, well, budgetary yeah. problems, and trying to imagine, you can find yeah. some really good story underneath it all. It's really, and it's quite an adult story, survival. Yeah. And quite brutal in parts. And The Master, it's the last appearance of of, of Anthony Ainley as the, mm-hmm. the Master. And it's the last story of what we call classic who uh yeah. it's 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 just uh i don't know it's a great stepping on point it's only what three 
three episodes or is it four? No, it's yeah, three episodes. Yeah, I think it is, yeah. And it's Earth-based for a lot of it, and you get a bit mm-hmm. of a lot of weirdness, especially like cheetah people on horses running through a play, a kid's playground in, in Perryvale. I mean, it's weird. And yeah, I mean, you, you get to see a bit more of, I suppose, what you call real life. Yes. As in, you, you know, you've got council estates, you've got, you know, the local shop, yeah. you've got the youth club, yeah. that sort of stuff. So it's it's a bit more grounded in reality. Yeah, that's what um, yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people feel they can draw a, a comparison between what Russell T. Davis did in the in this Revive series. Yeah, exactly. There's a... There's a line. I always think it's a it's a tip of the hat to survival. There's a line in Rose. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if you remember it. Where I think Jackie talks about cat flap, where those bleeding mm-hmm. yeah. bloody cats getting in or something like that. And I always yeah. think, yeah, uh, yeah, that's a bit of a <laughs> you know like a tip of the hat to the last yeah, televised yeah. story. I don't know. I like to think that anyway. I like to think. I mean, I love. I love Ghostlight from the Seventh Doctor's yes. era, but I wouldn't really recommend it to someone looking to sort of watch that period for the first time because no. it's it's hard going in one respect because yeah. it's there are certain flaws there, sort of not in the script as such, but the fact they've had to condense down what is effectively a four part story into a three part story. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I've got a real soft spot for that one. I love the look um, at it, the look of it, yeah. and the sort of overall feel. The um, mm. the atmosphere it's very gothic gloom. Yeah, it's all studio based, I mean, of course, but that's what the BBC yeah. do well. Period. Oh yeah, period, yeah, period drama. drama was is their sort of food and drink, and it, yeah. it looks fantastic. Oh yeah, you know, it looks a million dollars on screen. You get to see a really sumptuous looking. Uh, set design. Yeah, and a, it does look and good. a very sumptuous looking Sophie Aldred as well, if I remember. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, she likes to sort of change her outfit a few times during that. Yes, I I, I remember enjoying that at the time as well. It scared the <laughs> hell out of me that story. The um, yeah. Uh, I think it's at the end of episode one when the the creature mm-hmm. comes out of the. Oh yeah. I remember being terrified because I, mm. you know, had to had to wait the week. Find out. I, because I really loved Ace and I really yeah. identified with her. I thought, oh, she's going to die, she's going to die. But remember when you used to have that feeling when you watched Doctor Who, you really thought yeah. you felt for the companions. And of mm-hmm. course, now we know they're never going to die. Nothing bad's going to happen. Well, sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. But sometimes back then, do. when you. Uh, Rest in peace, Adric. Well. Mm. <laughs> um. <laughs> 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 anyway, moving on. Uh, I think uh, uh, the obvious representative one for for Sylvester McCoy really is Remembrance yeah. of the Daleks. I think yes. that's uh, brilliant. Nailed on, really, isn't it? Yeah, that's. If you look at everything around it, you know, um, it's it's got all those things that you want from a Doctor Who story. Yeah. Um, obviously, they're going back to Coal Hill where it all began, uh-huh. which is kind of a nice little wink. To, to the long-term fans, you've got Daleks, you've got two factions of Daleks, so you've got this whole sort of civil war going on. Yeah, you've got the pseudo um, unit, you know the yeah, the, that's the right, military yeah. um, uh, chunky Gilmore, chunky Gilmore, and uh, Rachel, the uh, the uh, and the gorgeous Pamela Salem. Oh yeah, goodness me, <laughs> doing a bit of a Barbara, I think, with the old uh, beehive hair. I really that has to be deliberate, doesn't it? Mm, I think so. I think so. It has to be deliberate. 
and it's it's just a great story. It stands stands up well mm-hmm. even now. I mean, you can watch that now, and it, I don't think it's aged all that much. Okay, there's a couple of ropey effects when the the Daleks mm-hmm. sort of explode and whatever, yeah. and they're a bit wobbly. And yeah, I think they fitted different tyres to the underside of the Daleks and they were a little bit sort of uh, wobbling from side to side. But you can forgive it all that because the yeah. story is so great and it, it adds an extra layer of mythos to the character. Yeah, because they're kind of retconning the first Doctor, kind of setting up a, quite a different take on what he was doing on Earth at the very beginning. So it totally changes your conception of what you thought the Doctor was. Yeah, exactly. It, 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 Which is quite clever. It's really... It's it's uh, I I know that a lot of elements that in that that season uh, season twenty five and season twenty six went on to be developed further mm-hmm. in the um, in the novels the new adventures you know there's mm-hmm. underlying dark history of the Doctor and maybe he was more than he said he was and that's been explored as yeah. well in the, in the in the new mm-hmm. series and so you start to see the the beginnings of that in Remembrance of the mm-hmm. Daleks and it. it there's a lot. There's a lot for everyone in that in that story. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And obviously, for for Paul McGann's Eighth Doctor, mm. televisual wise, it's fairly slim pickings. Well, until yesterday. Until yesterday, <laughs> and I would say the Night of the Doctor. Yeah, I mean the TV movie. <laughs> <laughs> the TV movie. It's flawed. Mm. It's it's flawed. Um, there's some nice bits in it. It looks stunning on the screen. It's yeah. beautifully directed. Um, oh, and the actors do a, a good job. I think Paul McGann is a really likable actor. Yeah. I like him a lot. I think he makes a great doctor. Yeah. Um, I just don't think the script really stood up to it. No. Sadly. If, the, if they'd started, if they'd introduced him, like they introduced him in Night of the Doctor, imagine that's how mm. the TV movie had begun. Someone in peril, yeah. Paul McGann, mm. turns up and says, I'm the doctor. Yeah, it, it could have been, a yeah. but anyway, we can we can dream about that. But it, I mean, back then you think, oh yeah, it's obvious they're going to have Sylvester McCoy because he's got to regenerate. Yeah. But now, looking back on it, you think, oh, why on earth did they do that? Yeah, and confused. You know, it 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 opens. You you see the the TARDIS flying through space, then it cuts to mm-hmm. this man sitting in a room, and unless you're a Doctor Who fan, you've no idea that yeah. this is inside it's this belly yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no. It's a shame, but I mean, Paul mm. McGann, I think, has gone on, especially in the audios. Yeah. Uh, he's really I think come into his own. Dark Eyes is, Magnificent. I think, the pinnacle of what he's done. I think there's some other good ones, like things like Chimes of Midnight, but I think Dark Eyes. Chimes of Midnight. As a, as a little set, I think, is quite nice. And uh, there's one uh, just. I think it's set before Dark Eyes. It's called To the Death and Lucy Miller. Okay, yeah. It's um, Sheridan Smith plays his companion, Lucy. And it's mm. sort of, you start to see the beginnings of, or they hint at the beginnings of the Time War. And mm. it's very, it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. Yeah. And uh, very reminiscent of a Russell T. Davis end of season uh, sort of, throw everything at it it's got daleks it's got mm-hmm. uh it's got the meddling monk yeah uh and it this time played by uh graham garden you oh, know, right. from, yeah. uh, i'm sorry i have no clue and the, and the goodies mm-hmm. so, sort of continuing the peter butterworth comedy actor yeah thing um to the death uh 
it's just it's a brilliant Doctor Who story. If, it, even if you hadn't listened to any other of the preceding eight Doctor audios in that series, you mm-hmm. listen to that alone. It's it's shocking. It's brilliant. It's I think Nicholas Nicholas Briggs wrote it, and he was mm-hmm. maybe aping the style of the the, the TV series. And yeah. it comes across clearly. But Dark Eyes, I would say, is the continuation of that, and that is absolutely superb. Yeah. I think the dynamic between the the Eighth Doctor and Molly, I think, is really nice. Um, and I, it, it got some really nice little twists in there. I think the oh, yeah. the opening story, I think, is probably the strongest one, in my opinion, where they, they go back to World War One, yeah. and you've got this whole mystery going on of... Uh, sci-fi shenanigans yep. in there and it's i think it's a, a really strong story it's really um, great you've got toby jones in it as well and it's, oh yeah. yeah he's brilliant um i think big finish is such a huge huge um volume of work it's really hard i think there's more stories of big finish doctor Strange mm. than there were of the classic series now i think by now that there probably is. wouldn't surprise me I mean, I love them. I think they're great. Uh, yeah. I think it's a real labour of love. I think Nick oh, Briggs goodness. and Gary Russell and Jason Hay Gallery and all those people who got that together, I think a lot of what they did helped to bring back the programme to the screen. So I think they deserve Absolutely. a lot of credit they, for keeping it going during those years where it wasn't on TV. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I love them. I think they're great. There's some um, great ones. The, the quality can be a bit up and down, but I think on the whole they're, they're very good. It, it depends what... Some things, I think, don't translate well to audio, don't come across well in, in audio. You know, the sort of uh, traditional sort of... I know the Daleks are used a lot in, in, mm-hmm. in Big Finish because, of course, Nicholas Briggs is yeah. the voice of the Daleks. It, it's hard. I mean, I listen to a lot of radio. I love radio. I've written for radio and I... Mm-hmm. I know the way it works, but uh, as you said, some of the quality is up and down, especially in some of the Dalek stories I find. I find them the Daleks mm-hmm. a bit boring on audio. Unless you see yeah. them and hear them, it's hard mm-hmm. to... But Dark Eyes is an exception to that. They're properly scary in that. Yeah. Um, and there's a, a Sixth Doctor story uh, called Jubilee. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, that is another banana pants crazy one, isn't it? It's absolutely crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> it's scary. That's Rob Shearman, That's isn't Rob it? That's Rob Shearman. It, they say yeah. it sort of acted as the template for Dalek, hmm. uh, written by yeah. Rob Shearman, and there are mm-hmm. certain, quite a few parallels. There are but, elements in there, yeah. but it's it's quite a different story. It's it's uh, it's brutal. Martin Jarvis is, is rather good oh, in that. Oh, good. And uh, uh, Rosalind Ayres, I think they're a real-life mm-hmm. married, married couple. Um yeah, and uh, you've got the Sixth Doctor and an older companion, um, mm-hmm. whose name for the moment escapes me. Um, Eve- Evelyn, 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 Evelyn Smythe, Evelyn Smythe. She's, she's the mm-hmm. an audio companion, and it's it's absolutely superb. And if you listen to that, yeah, you know that's that's a brilliant Sixth Doctor story, and mm-hmm. I would put that up there above any of the televisual ones that he did uh, yeah i think i think he really comes to his best in the in the big finish audios I oh think. he's great and then there's another one he uh, six doctor one uh, called davros i don't know if you i've not heard that one uh, I, I won't say too much because i don't want to spoil it but it's the six doctor and davros 
and it, oh, you spoiled it. Ah, I didn't know Davros was in Davros. I know. <laughs> no, it's actually about this guy called Dave Ross. Ah, okay. And, yeah. uh, um, he's just like problem filling his tax form, and, and the, doc- uh, the doctor comes. Sounds really. Yeah, it's really good. But <laughs> the fifth doctor. See, this is when earlier on we were talking about the fifth doctor, and I mentioned that mm-hmm. one of my favorite fifth doctor stories isn't even a televisual one. It's an audio one. It's spare parts. Which oh yeah, that's great. Yeah, Genesis of the Cybermen. I, I suppose. It yeah. So I'm still waiting for them to do something. I know they had the the David Tennant two-parter, which kind of gave them an alternate history. But I think the um, the way they've done it on spare parts was so cleverly done. Oh my goodness! And such a, a multi-layered world was created. You know, it's set on mm. Mondas without giving too much away, which is a Earth's twin planet, mm-hmm. and sort of a 1950s style type of era. On Mondas, you know, it's sort of like, yeah. And but he's created this whole universe. The the type, the 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 culture, the people. It's mm-hmm. very realistic. You identify with the characters. Yeah. And when the cyber, I mean, it's obviously about the the creation and the birth of the Cybermen. But there's some mm. chilling, horrible moments in that that yeah. stay with you. And the Fifth Doctor is uh, Peter Davison is incredible in that story. I think the only thing that might put off someone new to it would be possibly the. Um, the choice of going with the original voice for the the Cybermen, which I actually quite like. The sort of spooky but... voice, it speaks like this. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Well, it's sort of, you know, it's, it's a bit Frank Spencer. <laughs> a little bit, but you kind of go with it. and It's, it's quite scary. It's, yeah, it's you, quite you a... said there are some really freaky moments. Yeah. In it. It's an unnerving voice. It may sound mm-hmm. a bit silly to modern ears, but it's, it's unnerving, especially when you, when you watch the 10th the, uh, Planet. And those Cybermen, which I absolutely love, the original, uh, yeah, cloth-faced, mm. everything. But the... there's something truly spooky about them. Uh, I don't yeah. think. I mean, I quite like the Trouton ones as well. The various iterations of those, and even the '80s ones were kind of yeah. cool. But um, yeah, there's something quite spooky about seeing the eyes behind the cloth mask. Yeah, and you imagine it, damaged skin underneath. Yeah, them. it's it's quite unsettling. Yeah, it, unsettling. That's the word. And spare parts is on. Unsettling, and uh, I, I think it's if you if you had this for the fifth Doctor, I say spare parts. For the sixth, I would say uh, Jubilee. I don't know if you've any other preferences, any other. Oh, I I quite like. I don't know if you've heard. Um, there's a fifth Doctor one called The Kingmaker by Nev Fountain. Yes, yes, I have yeah, heard that. That's that's really good fun. Um, it's a bit of a romp, historical romp. Nev Nev um, Fountain's brilliant because he's he's essentially yeah. a or is, is a comedy writer and but yeah. it's, it's not it's a romp but it, it's it's really well done it's a real you mm. could imagine that one on tv yeah so if you ever wanted to know what happened to the princes in the tower mm. and richard the third and all that kind of stuff then yeah listen to that one and you'll find out yeah that w- I, I, I could so, see that translating well to tv there's there's a really good um companion that they introduced for the audio it's called erimem yeah who i think is egypt quite a good foil for the doctor she's an egyptian queen, queen? or empress or something that's like right that. yeah, yeah. yeah and her and perry i think work quite well together as well oh yeah her and her they kind per- of chum up quite well don't they yeah it's so it's sort of set in the gap that a lot of or some of the fifth doctor stories are set in the gap between planet of fire and mm-hmm. caves of Androzani and 
uh, Perry's good in the audio. Is that, there's one, it's a companion yeah. chronicle with Perry. It's called uh, Perry and the Pescon Paradox or the Oh yeah, the, the yeah I've heard of that one. I haven't actually listened to it. It's really good. I'd, I'd urge you to uh, seek that one. That's by Nev Fountain as well, who I think is Nicola Bryant's mm. uh, partner. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, right. Lucky Nev. And <laughs> um, oh, I just he's my he's on my Facebook. You might hear that. Um, <laughs> it's but it's absolutely superb. Any other ones? Would you have for like the seventh? Uh, actually, yeah, there's quite a good one called Night Thoughts, which is a Seventh Doctor oh, story. Oh, mm, Yeah, it's quite spooky. It's Seventh Doctor and Ace, and it's set on this remote Scottish island, and uh, it's a kind of haunted house sort of story with weird goings on, and uh, I don't want to give away okay. too much of the plot, really, for spoilers, but it's it's very atmospheric, very spooky. Um, audio doesn't always translate to to horror very well, yeah. but this one is very good. I forget who the author is, but it's that's that's definitely a good one. I I would say there's some really great writers for Big Finish. You know, I mean, um, mm. Paul Mars, yeah, and Nev and Mark Platt. Mm -hmm. that, that some of the stuff that they've come up with. I mean, uh, John Dorney's another one. John as well. Dorney, he's a very good writer. Superb. And Nicholas Briggs, of course, because he did the recent... I don't want to spoil this for anyone because it's just come out a few weeks ago, but the uh, the 50th anniversary story... Uh, oh, The Light at the End. The Light at the End, which you've listened to. I've heard it, yeah. yeah I've, shall, we, shall we give a little spoiler warning now? So yes, if you want to yes. you know, pause and come back to us later once you've listened to it. Yes, do spoiler warning yeah. because it's, it's superb. I loved it. I thought it was a great kiss to the fans. I think it's very difficult. I think Nick Briggs did a great job of getting all the, the doctors, giving them equal kind of airtime, yeah, if you like. Yeah, yeah, they all get um, their moment to shine. Yeah, yeah. And, my God, they threw everything as far as, you know, past companions and the kitchen sink into that, didn't they? They had, you know, uh, Jamie, you had... Um, Annika Wills as yeah. Polly. You had all these various people coming Zoe, back. Zoe, Sarah Just Kingdom, for little tiny little cameos. Uh, Tegan. Mm -hmm. and we mentioned John Dorney earlier, the writer, but he also has an acting uh, pedigree as well. And he's he's in that story um, as the poor unfortunate oh, chap the, who uh, loses his family. The, sort of the bookend character, the, the, we hear him at the start and we hear him. Yeah. The, that's, that's John Dorney. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's John Dorney. And yeah. I think the little boy is Nicholas Briggs's son. I mean, that's I, right, I suppose because yeah. we've given a spoiler right. warning, we can say some of it. The, the, the pair up between the eighth doctor and the fourth doctor, mm -hmm. between McGann and Baker, just works yeah. perfectly. It's you put two scousers together, it's <laughs> bound, to, bound to give you something. <laughs> I didn't even think of that yet. They're, they bounce off each other so well. Mm, they do. And I think it's uh, the seventh, the sixth and seventh work mm -hmm. well together. And, yeah. And Peter Davison, he's just brilliant. And also, this is the big spoiler, we hear the first three Doctors as well, which I didn't expect. Yes. That was a surprise to me. Mm -hmm, yeah. Um, no, I, th I thought they did a fantastic job. The whole, I think they've really stepped up their game, even in the last year or two. I think 
they have really gone out of their way to try and give their audience what they want. Mm. The way it's been marketed, I think yeah. it's been very good. You've got the various versions. So you, you've got a straightforward download version or you can go for the um, the special edition, which has got a load of VAM or yeah. you know extras, whatever you want to call them, um, which I'm a sucker for. So I went I for went that, for that one as well, yeah, with the documentaries. Yeah, and, oh. yeah. yeah. Which I, I really enjoyed. Uh, and there's even a vinyl version as well, which is pretty if cool. If I had the money, I'd get that. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, also, I think it's available as a 5.1 version. Oh, yeah. Stereos. Um, not stereoscopic. Um, surround sound. Surround sound. Yeah. Oh. Which would be pretty cool. I've ditched my surround sound setup, which I'm a bit upset about now, because I would have liked to have linked that up it, and, and heard it in surround sound. Because there's so much. I mean, you, you mentioned there, you know, the past companions. There's a sequence in it, without spoiling too much, where... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's Charlie, the Eighth Doctor's companion, sort of yeah. goes through time inside the TARDIS and mm-hmm. essentially meets every companion. Yeah. Uh, for a brief second, you know, she mm-hmm. she interacts with. Uh, I love the interplay between her and Leela. I think that's really oh, cool. Yeah, that wonderful. That just it works so well, and mm-hmm. uh, you've got the the master in it, uh, Jeffrey yeah. Jeffrey Breeders is the the master yeah. and at the end when all the doctors i'm not going to spoil it when all the doctors come together and just pull mm-hmm. off this aud- audacious sort of screw you to the master yeah. <laughs> it's wonderful you know you just it's mm. just a moment of joy i i i don't think it was well i don't know i know some of them recorded together and uh, yeah i don't know how it was done logistically, but I know that McGann and Baker were in the studio together. Yes, that's right. And some of the others, it was all, but it's absolutely perfect. It's, I recommend that. Yeah, so hats off to them. I yeah. think they did a great job, and I think they deserve a lot of uh, plaudits for what they've done. Yeah, 50th anniversary year. I tell you what, the best time to start becoming a Doctor Who fan or start getting Yeah, everything. what a year. Yeah, we've got everything. We're spoiled, absolutely spoiled. And, <laughs> and people moan and groan and... I don't know what they want sometimes, you know, you, you, you sort of, you've got everything from books that we said earlier from books, audio, mm-hmm. TV, all these documentaries, the, tra- the even the, the trailer for the 50th, not, not the day of the oh, doctor yeah. trailer, but I think you've talked about this yeah. in the blue box podcast, but the, mm, yeah. I mean, not that labor of love. Uh, it's beautiful, isn't it? I went to see um, gravity at the cinema and they had that in 3d. <gasps> Uh, and that was pretty stunning. It was in the was c- one of the trailers. It was in the cinema. And, oh mm-hmm. my word! Oh, I wouldn't. Have, I I want to see Gravity anyway. But I, if if I know the yeah. trailers before that, I definitely. Oh, it's it's just beautiful. And there's so many. I've watched it maybe seven or eight times and freeze framed it and looked for. Screen. Yeah, and every time you find something new to find in there, don't and you? It, it's just packed with. It's packed with beautiful stuff, little yeah. Easter eggs in and there. And in light of the. Night of the Doctor, the Paul McGann mm. episode, something now makes sense in that trailer that didn't before. Okay. You know, we, we go through all the Doctors, and then mm-hmm. right in front of Tennant, I think there's this figure crouched over. Right. With a black belt, with a belt, like a, a white shirt, mm. and we, don't, we only see the back of his head. Some people have said it was Captain Jack, someone said it was someone else. Yeah. It's, I, it's, th- somebody said it, they thought it was the brigade leader from Inferno, which I could kind of see. But I think having seen that, yeah, you're I think, right. I didn't even think of I that. I think it's the a young mm. version or a version of the John Hurt 
war mm. doctor, the, the war doctor, or whatever yeah. it's going to be called, the warrior, the the vel. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's really exciting. So we've I think we covered pretty much all the classics there. Yeah. We? I think um, maybe we won't stray into new who because I think that's still yeah. relatively fresh. So I think people might find that a bit easier to get into. Yeah. Possibly. But yeah, if you're looking to get into classic who, I think. I think we've covered um, it. It deserves it deserves a look. It deserves a look, and there is so much out there. I mean, we've given our choices, but somebody else will tell you something completely different. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, yeah. That's the beauty of it, and you know, I know some people. Have, the way I see it is that the the what we now call the classic series and and new. Mm-hmm. I, I see it as just one series. Yeah, I, it's my it's yeah, my personal opinion that. It's never been better than it is now. Mm. I mean, Doctor mm. Who at the moment is is just wonderful. It's it's the, the the standard of the stories, even some of the ones that are less fondly regarded. Mm. Uh, I mean, you you put something like I'm sorry to say this, but Love and Monsters up against yeah. Let's see, uh, the Time Monster. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. okay. They both got monster in the title. I I tell you mm-hmm. what. I I go for love and monsters. Well, our our mutual friend J.R. Southall does tend to recommend the Time Monster as the ultimate story to introduce a new fan to. Really? Hmm. And the reason he says that is his partner is not a Doctor Who fan, so she has to suffer watching lots of. <laughs> old 70s stuff that she probably wouldn't necessarily want to watch and she absolutely loved the time monster they all sat there and laughed their heads off and howled at it right uh, i think it depends on how you you go into it if you're going into it to take it seriously yes i would probably agree but uh, yeah okay i think if you if you just want a bit of fun a few a few hours of fun and uh entertainment okay so like you said before you know what you may not appreciate, somebody else different does. Different strokes so. for different folks. That's it. Go and seek it out, guys. Yeah. Time Monster. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Deck, just before we wrap up, what would you like to recommend for our listeners? Have you enjoyed anything in the cinema or on TV or books-wise that you'd like to recommend? There are a few things. Well, television-wise, um mm-hmm. Okay, I know it doesn't necessarily go under the. It's not necessarily science fiction or fantasy. Um, mm-hmm. I there was a series on called Ambassadors with uh, okay. Mitchell and Webb. Oh, is that the David Mitchell? David thing? Mitchell, yeah. Robert Webb, which is really mm-hmm. really enjoyable. It was only three episodes. It's finished now, but I think you can still get it on the iPlayer. Okay. And of course, Homeland, which I've really been enjoying. Uh, I know mm-hmm. people go. People have said that it's something quality. And film-wise, I've yet to see it, but I really, really want to. I've heard so much about it. It's Gravity. I think yeah. I want to try and see it this weekend, actually. Mm. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think the thing I took from it, which was a tribute to, uh, I think it's Alfonso Cuarón, yeah. the um, director. The Children of Men, didn't he? Chil- uh, yeah. yeah, that's right, yeah. And he did... Um, the Harry Potter film as well, didn't oh, he? Oh, the, the Azkaban. Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, although it's got this sort of epic scale to it, this ginormous, 
you know, space um, background to it. It's quite a claustrophobic story. In fact, I actually, by the time I got to the end of it, I felt like I should be reaching for my inhaler. It was really brilliant. You know, the, the tension is great. Um, the acting's very good. I won't spoil plot points. Um, but yeah, I'd recommend to go and see it on the big screen. Did you see it in 3D it, or? Well, of course you did because you saw I did. the trailer. I, I watched it in yeah, 3D, yeah. 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 Uh, and uh, it, it was great. I mean, it, it's not uh, sort of a, a full-on sci-fi film. Mm-hmm. It's kind of pseudo-scientific because apparently professors have said, well, this wouldn't happen in reality and this wouldn't happen in reality. But it's it's very much sort of placed in the real world rather than being a sort of out there sort of Star Wars type film. Right. But it is just... And it's very compact as well. A lot of movies these days go on to try and be you know, two hours, three hours. And this does in, I think, 90 minutes, uh, just a perfect job. And it's really engaging. It's quite short. Really... Quite short for a, yeah. a, a modern sort of well, blockbuster. I use the word, but uh, ninety minutes is is pretty pretty good actually. Mm. There's a, there's a lot of uh, character moments. You've got your two main characters, um, George Clooney and Sandra Bullock, play the two main characters, um, and so you've got this massive sort of backdrop with these kind of very um, kitchen sink almost. Um, things playing out between the the characters right. and and their backstories. It's it's really it's brilliant. I would recommend it to anyone to go and watch it. See it on the big screen. Uh, some people don't like three D. I'm not too bothered either way. I thought it kind of helped to sort of emphasise this the scale and the scope of it. But um, but yeah, just go and see it. Oh, okay. I'm definitely I'm definitely going to go and see that. And if I can just recommend a book as well. Yeah. I don't know if there are any. Asterix fans out there, but the mm-hmm. new Asterix book, Asterix, it's the first Asterix book not written and illustrated by the original uh, author and artist, Gossini yeah. and uh, Uderzo, because uh, Uderzo's mm-hmm. now, uh, I think he's got Alzheimer's and Gossini's been dead for uh, 30 yeah. years, but this is, it's called Asterix and the Picts, so it's set in Scotland. Okay. It's so Asterix, mm-hmm. and I don't know how fake uh, you are with Asterix. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I used to read the comics as so a kid. So this is a, a real, true return to form, oh, like cool. an Asterix book you would have read in your youth, and it's set in mm-hmm. Scotland, and it's all full of puns and jokes, and I heartily recommend that. Oh, sweet. That's my recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> a, kid, a kid's book, but uh, it's really wonderful. So Declan, you and we've kind of touched on it just slightly. You're you're a freelance writer, yes, and you write for radio, uh, TV, cinema. Yes, uh, just bits and bobs. I'm currently currently working on a, a sitcom with our mutual friend uh, Jr. Southall, mm-hmm. uh, which has well, or is about to be finally commissioned, and um, also a film that's going to start shooting next year, which I've been working on for ages, the script. It's a a biopic of the uh, actor Dirk Bogard. Oh, right, yeah. That, as far as I know, is going to start filming in March, April next year in the UK and France. 
So wow, uh, I've written the first two drafts of the script, whether it's my mm-hmm. final draft that ends up being the one used. But uh, so that's essentially what I'm working on. And I've uh, mm. I'm not trying to sell things here. I have a book. I have a book <laughs> coming out. Come on, this is your chance to plug. It's, Come on, do book, it. A book coming out. Uh, it was originally going to be on the 30th of November, but I've had to move it forward mm-hmm. a week or two. It's called Steel Cathedrals, which is sort of a mixed mm-hmm. bag of short stories and ideas and bits of imaginary scripts. And uh, it's a bit hard to explain, but if you, if anyone is interested in it, they can. Uh, Follow me on Twitter at Declan mm-hmm. underscore May or go to my website, DeclanMay.com. But if you're mm-hmm. my friend on Facebook or on Twitter, you get a free copy, a free digital copy. Whoa. So, uh, and if you want a paper copy, you know, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's only going to be about uh, three quid. But uh, for, for, I already promised anyone who was my Twitter friend or facebook friend gets a free copy digital copy if they want it or they can just delete it Uh, (laughs) you know know. i'll look forward to getting my copy you'll certainly get you get a you get a paper copy (laughs) in the post as well wow do i get it signed you get it signed but i get someone to sign it for you uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> no, but so that's that. So, but um, if anyone is interested, you can find me on Facebook or on Twitter or my website, DeclanMay.com. Excellent. And of course, if you want to get in touch with the show, we're all over the place. We're on Twitter, so it's at Nerdology UK. We're also on Facebook. Just type in Nerdology UK podcast, and you'll find us there. We're also on Google Plus. If anyone's mm. kind of hanging around there, I know there's quite a few big doctor who communities and other bits and bobs on there starting to grow so we're also there yeah yeah um so yeah get in touch we're also on email which is nerdologyuk at gmail.com so thank you once again declan for coming along it's been a great pleasure to have you on the show oh, mark thank you so much it's been a real pleasure to do it and uh thank you for inviting me and i could i just say one more thing because your, mm-hmm. Our friend Simon Brett might be a bit cross with me. If I don't, <laughs> I just remembered there's another uh, project. It's called the 12, 12 Doctors of Christmas, which is... Uh, ah, 12 Doctors, 12 Days. 12 Doctors, 12 Days. Hashtag I've yeah. seen knocking 12 around. 12 Doctors, yeah. 12 Days. It's a sort of uh, mm-hmm. anthology of stories um, featuring each doctor. I've written one. Uh, Lee uh-huh. Rawlins has written... Who? Lee Rawlings. I don't know if you've heard of him. Never, Never heard, heard of him. him. No, uh, no. Simon Brett has written one. J.R. Southall has written a story as well as mm-hmm. some other one. I've written one as, and there's under, wonderful writers and illustrators. It's all going to be illustrated. I don't know when it's going to oh, be cool. out, but uh, I think mm-hmm. uh, you can find that on Facebook as well. Cool. Excellent. So teaching 12 doctors, well, not 11, 12. Well, thank you so much for coming Thanks, on. Thanks, Mark. And <laughs> Sorry for all the plugging. You never know. We might have you back again sometime. I'd love to. I'd absolutely love to. Well, thank you so much, Declan. Thanks, and we'll speak again soon. All the best. Bye-bye.